Welcome to the MX Vice Show presented by 24MX, where we break down the weekend's racing from... Uh, where did you go this weekend, Des? Uh, Fantastic. We couldn't do this without our show sponsors, so thank you to Talon Wheels, X-Trick, uh, Triple Clamps, Liat, Recluse Clutches, XL Moto, Atlas Braces, uh, for all the support that they give us. Uh, I'm James Burford, and alongside me is MX Vice editor Lewis Phillips, and in the studio, as always, is Rob, our producer from Jukebox Beats. So it's been a while. Did you have a good weekend, Lewis? Oh, yeah, it was great. Nice not to have you there, bringing me down, weighing me down in the mud. Was it fun in the rain? Uh, I can't really remember. To be honest, pit lane's quite covered, so I can't say I fully experienced it. Okay. But it looked quite bad, yeah. So whilst you were there, um, you know, in the, in the rain of Mantua, I was uh, actually having a barbecue. Yep, everyone who was following the progress. How many G- James said at the beginning of the year, I'm doing every single GP. That's it. I'm doing every single one. He made it to round five. Well, I do... Technically, he made it to round four because he didn't actually go to round five, so... Yeah, I do actually blame having a break because, uh, you know, you've got, you've got to keep... You got used to yeah. doing fuck all. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, F-bomb this early in the, <laughs> in the I'm show. nervous. It's been a while. Uh, I'm like... nervous. I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, it was actually quite nice to, to have a break, but you didn't fare so well in the break, did you? No. Uh, close to a mental breakdown. Week one was tough. 
Week two was tougher. Uh, week three, I started to see the light. And then I went to Belgium for a week just to stand at a practice track. And that made me feel a little bit better. Yeah. And then I was back at Mantua. And then now you've got three back-to-backs? Uh, well, two more. But two yeah, more. three back-to-backs. Three back-to-backs. Portugal and then France. Are you going to Portugal? Yeah, I will be in Portugal. France? Uh, there's a good chance I might be in France. I haven't actually found out if you're going to France yet or not. No. Uh, you, do, you are aware you have a flight booked to France? Yeah, unless uh, you know there's another offer comes up from Vegas or something cooler, then uh, I'll have to go to France. I you guess. even have, I've even booked you your own like chalet for France. So it'd, like be a, it'd be a bit of a disappointment if you didn't turn up. For just it. just remember, people from Twenty Four Max do actually listen to this podcast, so try and play it down a little bit. It's not a chalet; it's a shed. It okay, is literally a shed. I, when I go to France, I'm going. I stayed there last year. It is a shed in a field with a plastic table and chairs. <laughs> That sounds great. It is literally a shit. Like, I, I'm not playing it down. At so all. we're basically going camping. Yes. Great. Actually, is speaking it, of hotels. Yeah. I played a blinder. Right. At a weekend. Okay. Four-star hotel. Yeah. Half an hour from the track. £30 a night. Really? Liter- breakfast included. Yeah. £30 a night. Amazing Wi-Fi. Yeah. Four stars. Yeah. Like, uh, you meant to round of applause. Well, I, I would say that, but do you know that the, the hotel that you booked, did you actually check to see if there was any uh, recording equipment in video or audio? Because the reason why some of these hotels are £30 a night is because they actually video you while you sleep. Great story. That was a long-winded joke, wasn't it? Jesus Christ. It's not, not a joke. It's not a joke. Have you not heard about these hotels? You need to literally, you need to do a Google search right now because there's definitely these hotels okay. which they offer really cheap, you know, sounds fantastic. It's even, it's even more long-winded now. No, no, and then you... You find out from a Google search that, um, you know, long naked white guy running around uh, a hotel because he sleepwalks and they video all. Okay. That's, just that's great. Thanks, just thanks for that really long-winded uh, explanation. Okay, dick. Um, I guess every, this is, everybody's, I, everybody's had a break, so tell us what's happened. I guess this is just me this show, isn't it? Because did you watch the racing? Yeah, I did watch it in between doing Do burgers anything? and sausages. Do you know anything that happened? It's muddy. Listen to my podcast? No. Read bother. anything on MX Vice? Don't bother with that. No. Okay, so just... Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to throwing it to you for your opinion. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I've got quite a lot of insight from the barbecue. And there was a couple of surprise people, but I guess you can say that with... Was the track one line? I thought you were saying there was a couple of surprise people at the barbecue. <laughs> there, were, there were a few surprise <laughs> really people confused. at the barbecue. <laughs> I was really confused. Yeah, but uh, from, from what I've seen on my iPad next to the barbecue, uh, it did look like the track was uh, one liney. Yeah, it was a bit meh. Even Saturday. No one really liked it. Like Prado said that uh, no one would like I it. I could probably wrap the show up in about two minutes if you want me to. So it was one liney. Uh, basically, it was all down to the start. Uh, there was people in the top 10 what shouldn't have been in the top 10 because they got the top 10. They got in the top 10 from the start and no one was able to pass. Pretty much, that's the end of the show. Thank you very much and uh, see you next week. Do you know what's funny? What? Uh, the last show we did, Trentino, which is a long time ago and we kind of, we got caught up in things in the break. Yeah. Um, you weren't very chatty, but you were there and you talked to people, but you weren't very chatty and you literally said nothing. Whereas this show, when you weren't at a race, you seemed to have a lot to offer. <laughs> a lot of insight, yeah. You just seemed to really be keen to get your, get your two cents across. <laughs> Whereas when you were actually at the race in Trentino, it was like pulling teeth trying to get you to say something. Yeah. Or you were like literally very excited. And I did I talk a lot, in that, I did talk a lot in that podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, more like it. So um, let's look at this, uh, the MXGP class from the weekend. There was a few riders back. Yeah, not really what you'd want. Like people were expecting Hurlins and Febra, so yeah, 
I think considering what people were hyped up for, they didn't really get that, but uh, we should have that soon. But yeah, it was a uh, Strybos was back. Jonas was back to him for his uh, full fitness. Yeah. Holdenoff was as well. So it was a little bit uh, different. And even practice on Saturday, like you could tell, the top 10 was very different to the first few, which was a bit exciting. But yeah. And uh, the, obviously the track changed over the weekend from Saturday to Sunday. So were there any kind of insights from riders on the Saturday when the, the track wasn't, I guess in a lot of people complained about the track because they sealed it because they thought the ring would be coming. Am I right? See, like you weren't there. You just, you just, you didn't, did you even watch qualify? <laughs> I did watch qualify. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I know Caroli was very critical of the track after. Oh, was he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Did you not know? I, I'm sorry, the TV feed. You're wow. one of those people I don't like. Who like so the actually I'm going to get into it. We should probably talk about racing. But, oh no, um, let's talk about the TV people. Hmm? Let's talk about my people, the TV people. I don't like it when like you'll stay home and someone will say something in a post-race interview. Yeah, like and ex- like explain something, and then obviously I don't know it because I haven't watched TV and I haven't got over to the pitch yet. And they're like, "Oh, don't you know this happened?" It's like, "Yeah, well, I'm not watching TV." Oh no, it's just just some conversation. Oh, I've seen friends. Um, anyway, colleagues, yeah, uh, no one liked no one liked the track on uh, Saturday. They didn't water it enough. They didn't rip it enough. They took away a lot of like the banked berms and stuff. Okay. And Mantova's a lot tighter, like as a whole facility than you would think. When I uh, got up to pit lane and kind of overlooked everything, I couldn't believe how small the whole place was. Obviously, I've been there before, but even so, even so, even so. (laughs) (laughs) This is a slippery. I had been there before. Even so, I was still surprised that. um, Do you want a little break while you wear that one? I was still. I was still surprised just how compact and small it was. And without the... Uh, Is that what she said? Without some of the banked berms, it was even more one-liney, as you said. One-lined okay. being the correct phrase. Right. But uh, yeah. Yeah, by time practice, it was quite dusty. But they expect, uh, the rain was actually forecast for like 3 p.m., which would have been before the MX2 qualifying race. So I think most people were ready for it to be a mudder then. But obviously, it was a little later. It started raining like an hour after the qualifying races. Okay. And then didn't stop. So, Literally didn't but the rain on Saturday evening was honestly the hardest rain I've ever seen in my life. I could not believe it. Really? Like the hardest rain I've ever seen in my life, hands down. Indonesia didn't match that, nothing. Had it continued raining like that, it would have been... Cooled off? No, but it would have been a lot worse. Okay. To be fair, it would have been a lot worse if it was a hard pack as well. Like the fact that it was obviously sandy really saved it. If it was a track like uh, Trentino or Matali or wherever, we would have had another Indonesia 2017, I think. So, looking at MXGP, uh, Corelli's obviously extended the lead. Yeah, that's a sucked a bit of air out of the series, isn't it? Oh, it's exciting. It's exciting. No, he's now got a 40 point lead. And Tim seemed to have had a few mishaps. Yeah, Tim uh, did not have a good day. Did but, you speak to him? Uh, no. I think he was quite mad from what I heard. Okay. So, I didn't see him. Actually, I did see him uh, signing, fa- signing for fans, which he's quite good at. But I okay. uh, didn't see him after that. It just didn't go right from the very drop of the first gate in the first moto he fell and then obviously the second that happens you're in a position where you try and make up for it so then you're pushing harder on a track where you can't really pass and then you crash again and it just snowballed out of control like mad so what can you do he actually had a he was actually really lucky because that first turn crash in the first moto was a that was a big one not a big one but the the situation was quite like yeah yeah that's what i meant it's not like a big big crash his head basically hit Monticelli's engine had it got had he crashed say a second before that and his head had gone like into the front wheel that could have been yeah curtains yeah and then uh, he had another one uh, 
The one where he went over to Boris? No, I didn't see that one. I haven't seen all of them. There was like eight. I've seen about six of them. Okay. Um, there was over the finish jump in the first moto with Brylyakov. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, guys almost landed on him or vice versa. That yeah. could have been Another terrible. Yeah. yeah. All in all, I think if you look at a bigger picture, to come out with sixth overall is... Uh, Pretty impressive, but obviously you can't give Crowley a 40-point lead after five rounds. No. And after I haven't looked into it yet. I plan to, but a uh, 40-point lead after five rounds is pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's just how good he's been this year. Yeah. He's been a picture of consistency. Mm-hmm. Like even Trentino, like, oh, it was a battle. It was a battle. Well, Crowley was still 2-2. Yeah. And that's kind of what you've got to do on those days. Like, okay, say Geyser was the better rider in Trentino. Well, Crowley was right there. Crowley was a better rider than Mantova. Geyser wasn't. So that's kind of where things are uh, won and lost. I guess so one thing I was going to ask you actually from this weekend was... Uh, quick quick one. Okay. Quick one for you. Uh, Just interrupt p- me. It's fine. Yep, that's fine. Uh, after five rounds last year, uh, Herlin's had a 16-point lead. Okay. This time, after five rounds, Crowley has a 40-point lead. Which so, shows you how good he's been. Yep. Okay. It's that's curtains. One thing I was going to ask you on, on speaking of Tony Crowley, he's obviously got a baby on the way. Not, not literally, obviously Jill has. How does this, can you see him getting a, you know, a 10th world title and wrapping it up? You're one of those people. Everyone wanted to talk about that in Mantua. I, I think it's, it's a relevant, you know, it, it's what people are talking about. So, and given that we've got a podcast show, maybe we should talk about it. Thanks for explaining the concept of a well, podcast it show to me. But a shock on your face. <laughs> it's just like, really? Like we've, we've not even got over the results yet. No, um, I mean, it's obviously possible. It's been around a while now. But I think if you're him, or if I'm him, and you've got that competitive nature, he's going to match 10 world titles this year, I think. I think. Good change, whatever. I don't think he would be happy calling it a day, saying, look at this, I've done it. I've matched Everett's record. Like, I've worked my entire life. I've finally done it. I can't believe it. I've matched the record. And now, I can't believe it. I now hold the record with someone else. I I think we got it. (laughs) Like, do you not like? Sorry about that, everybody. If if he's going to get to that point where he's matched the record, would he not try one more year just to maybe go a little beyond that? And the way he's riding, he's got a great chance. Yeah. Of of winning an eleventh title. Exactly. I I don't know. Obviously, it's realistic that maybe he would hang it up, but then at the same time, knowing him and his competitive nature, I just feel like it'd be tough to walk away when you have sole possession of a record within your grasp. Yeah. Well, not within your grasp, but it's definitely within sight. Yeah. But then again, you could say the same about Everts. Everts could have quite easily raced in 2007. He won two, 2006 was his most dominant year, so he could have quite easily gone another year, won again, and had 11. So I guess it's just where do you stop? Okay, Crowley continues, races in 2020, wins an 11th. We'll be sat here next year going, well, he could have 12. Like, would you not continue? No. And be like, oh, I could have, like, you know? So yeah. where do you draw the line? No, I just wanted to ask a question. I guess have that's you where anything. I guess or, that's where you've got to be um, smart and say like enough is enough. Okay. Well, let's go back to uh, the racing. Paul's Jonas. I like Paul's. Yeah. I'm happy for Paul's. That's kind of what we needed. I feel like we needed. You say we? Have you adopted now Paul's? No, as that's what we needed. Your as rider. In, we needed it. We needed as in the sport. Okay. Like You're talking for the people. I have. A, I have a philosophy with mud races. Yeah. I'm more than happy. Give me rain, give me mud. I'm more than happy to have a mud race. Yeah. Don't give me a mud race and then give me the same results as normal. That's not exciting. I, if, I, if I have a mud race, I want to see some different stuff happen. Yeah. I don't want to see the same old, same old because then it might as well have not have rained at all. 
So yeah. Paul's what were we talking about? <laughs> Paul's funny enough. So um, that that was your give me a different result. Yeah, and, that was and seeing him on the podium for the first time in MXGP. And he's not was... re- he's not really a mud guy. I don't think. I don't. I don't, a, I don't know him that well. There's certain riders where you're like, oh yeah, obviously it's mud. Like Pooches. Pooches is good in the mud. So I wasn't surprised at all to see him on the podium. I don't think Jonas is one of those mud guys. So I could see him continuing this form uh, moving forward. But one of the things that uh, popped into my mind straight after he stood on the podium, is that so Sewer's obviously been consistent fight fifth, sixth, fourth, seventh over his year and a half or year and a quarter MXGP career. You've got to be a bit disappointed if Jonas comes in, your kind of lifelong rival, and gets a podium within five rounds. Like, that's got to sting a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Felt, I, like, I immediately felt happy for Pools and then sad for Sewer. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. No, I think... and. Funny thing as well, uh, Husqvarna could have quite easily had Jonas and Jazakonis on the podium. And how many people said when they announced their rider lineup for this year were saying like, oh, I can't believe they've gone with those two riders. What are they doing? That's not going to go anywhere. They could have quite easily had a double podium after five rounds. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to roll the dice, gamble a little bit, and uh, that's paying off in a big, big way for Ice One. Yeah, it looks like both riders are just going to carry on improving throughout the year, which is what Antti said to us, uh, or said to myself. Um, I think it was about five, six weeks ago now. I think we discussed on the podcast show. So, uh, I mean, you know, it seems like that's starting to pay off um, for the team and also for Husqvarna. Again, uh, I think I've been on the bandwagon since week one is Gaultier Paulan. Uh, 6-4, third overall. Third overall, but he's still consistent. Still... 6-4. I'll take a 6-4 for a podium. Okay, you you will take that. Yeah, I'll take that. No, I mean, I don't think you can go like, oh, he was the third best guy. No. I'd say Max was probably more deserving of an overall podium. Arminus was probably more deserving of an overall podium. Yeah, and others. But it's not about no. He got deserving. it. Done. He got he's it done been, over two motos. Exactly. And, but and and that's what he's doing this year. He's getting it done. It almost seems like nothing can go wrong for him. No, not nothing can go wrong. It almost seems like it almost just seems like everything's going right yeah. this year. Like, 6-4 isn't going to get you a podium on most weekends. Yeah, it did this time around. Yeah. But uh, I think I asked him this in Trentino. I'm interested to know when the mood changes and a podium isn't good enough. Because, there's, like, he's a winner. He yeah. was once a title contender. You'd think he wants a title this year. Yeah. At what point does he go, okay, I've had enough of finishing third? He's probably already there, isn't he? he, he I don't, well, I think I, I think I asked him it in Trentino, and I don't think he was. But then that, I guess that just could be, like, PR speak. Yeah, but um, yeah, like every time he's on the podium, it seems like there's a big celebration and like we did it, third overall. Can't believe it. At what point is it going to be well, third overall? Like we want to be second or first? Yeah, I mean the expectation of that team has got to be quite big. And you've the, got to, you've got to remember the resources they have. You've got to remember, uh, Herlins and Feather are coming back any week now. The window of opportunity to win one is going to become considerably smaller. Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm really going with this, but... I don't I just, either. I just um, feel like... I, I just almost feel like this is a missed opportunity. Like, he's been third, 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 three of the rounds. I just almost feel like if he was going to win one, it was going to be in this period. But, bringing you back to the beginning of the year, I did say he wouldn't win an overall this year. I, I still disagree. I I'm think sitting it's, pretty. Mind you, I, mean, I think Tony Corelli's just been, you know... Huh? You said he would, I said he level. wouldn't. So, I'd yeah. say I'm sitting... I'd say I'm looking the best for that right now. Oh, Jesus. He's turning a right rock star. Actually, uh, at the end of the year, we definitely need to pull some of our predictions. I don't think we need to, Rob. Because I, I could just imagine. I could, oh, just, just, just imagine. Just that one, Rob. Um, James Burfield in 
February. Oh, Benoit Patrell. I reckon he could be a surprise and win the title this year. So <laughs> you're just ignoring that. I'm just ignoring you. I think everybody else wants to ignore you. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as anybody's going to listen to this, they're just going to say, what a dick. Clement de Salle. Do you know what happened to Clement de Salle? No, tell me. Do you know anything? Nope. I know what happened to Van Horby. Do you know anything? About, you don't know? How, how did Clement de Salle's break go? Uh, I'm guessing that he got <laughs> injured. <laughs> you actually have no idea, do you? No. <laughs> you actually, well, okay. Um, so de Salle damaged his meniscus. That's it. At, yeah, I remember uh, that. Volkenswald. Yeah. Then sucked at Trentino and pulled out the second race. Yep. Had surgery the Monday after Trentino. That's right. Got back on a bike for week in the week leading up to Mantua. I'm not sure, because he posted photos of him riding on a Friday and said, good to be back. So I'm not sure if he got riding the Friday before Mantua or early in the week, but either way, he didn't have much prep time. So uh, to come out and be uh, fourth overall is impressive. But, but the track, obviously, and the conditions lent to him. Yeah, but it can go two ways, because like, yeah, it slows the racing down, and if you're lacking bike fitness and bike time, then that helps, because it's a game of survival. Mm-hmm. But then he could also have been overly cautious with his knee and not wanted to catch it in a rut or something. Yeah, it was probably the worst Exactly. Race so you can to. either be, yeah. I don't know, it depends how you are as a rider or a personality, I guess. You can either look at a positive or look at a negative. But either way, he just did what Clement de Sales does, trucked on, warrior-like, and got another consistent result. But again, window of opportunity, closing. Yeah, if we're, if we're running down the list, uh, Koldenoff's got to be pleased to be in the top five. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Which is what we've always I, said. I it's going to take like, him time to get up to, to up to speed. Now he's getting there. I don't know why. I almost feel like this was expected after Saturday. Because Saturday was really good. So I feel like that took a little bit of a shine off of his result. Because like, it almost became expectation again. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'd say he's back now. And if he's going to continue to get better, which you'd presume, then uh should be all right. So looking at the, obviously the top fives or top seven, um, there wasn't much separating the riders for the weekend. Did it show on, on track? What are you talking about? Like, uh, literally from Koldenhoff down to Jazakonis and, and Bogus, there, there isn't much, many points separating them. Oh, yeah, but that just came but from, from the racing. Did, did that translate into the racing that there wasn't much what, was, uh, what separated them on track? Meh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I, I don't really Have know. You got you, anything to offer? I don't really know where you're going with that. Yeah, the racing was close. I don't, what, I don't know what you want from me. That's all I need. Jesus. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was close. The racing was close. Wow. Apologies to everybody. No, it it's just obviously... come down to inconsistencies. Get a bad start, you work up, you hit a wall. Get a good start, you, put, you drop back, you hit a wall. Like, they're all in that same mix. Okay. I'll just sit here and what would you like to talk about? <laughs> you, you tell me. <laughs> uh, I don't know what. I don't know. You seem to be vet. Did you have your breakfast this morning? You seem to be a little bit hangry, maybe. No, no, no. You no. sure? No. Okay. You proceed. Well, I'd like to, but... Okay, yeah, the, you're right. It takes point, two to have a conversation. You're right. The points were close, but as you can see, there's a lot of inconsistencies. Sua, 10-6. Uh, Jazakonis, 3-15. Bogus, 22. <laughs> 1, 22. No, 20 if 2. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. So all of that law of averages means that that all uh, levels out to a point where everyone's kind of close. Yeah. So um, I'm guessing you've reached back from the panic button on Bogus because you did say that you wanted to see him okay. in the top 12. He's done that. Now he's just got seconds. I will admit, Saturday was not good for Bogus and I was ready to write him off. Yeah. I was ready to say, okay, this isn't working. This is never going to work. This is the beginning of the end because Saturday wasn't good and it was a dry track. Yeah. He should have been okay. Yeah. Like times, free practice, qualifying race, it was all just 
distinctly average. The second was good, but it's a mud race. So I don't know how you look at it. That's the hardest thing with a mud race. <laughs> I love the fact that someone can actually go out and get second no, I, I, in a race in a world championship and you're like, well, it's a mud race. <laughs> it's no, like, oh I, my God, your just, expectations no, are just, on another I, no, level. No, I, I mean, what I'm saying is he isn't now going to get seconds and thirds every single week. But just give him the second. Okay, it was good. Just say, well done, Brian. Well, oh, sorry. I didn't know that was what you wanted from me. <laughs> no, it's just, it, it's just your expectations. Wow, it's a mad race. So no, just might I, as well no, scrap that okay. second. No, what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is Saturday was so meh that it almost... I, I don't know. Maybe I, I can't maybe get away from that. Maybe sat down on Saturday night and watched Rocky. Maybe he got inspired. But I can't get away from the fact that Saturday was so meh. So when we go to Portugal, I'm going to be stood there and I'm not going to be going, oh, Bogus, yeah, he was second in a race last week. Let's see what he can do. I'm going to be stood there going, he wasn't that good on Saturday. Which Bogus are we going to see? But I will give you the fact that second is quite good. <laughs> well, there we go. Thanks, bro. Uh, Thanks good job. turning up. No, it is. I think if anyone needed a shot, on the, a shot in the arm, it's him. And uh, that was it. It's just what he does with that. And I what th- is he going to do with that? Who knows? But you've got to think for contract year. He's got to do something with it. I think one rider who is uh, is really staying under the radar, but is looking better each week is is Patrell. Yeah, I'm really surprised about how he's performing on a 450. I, d- I definitely didn't see this coming. You realise he was on a 450 last year. Yeah, but we can write <laughs> oh, we can write okay. last year off. Can we? Yeah. Why? Because he was very under the radar. That's probably because he didn't race much. That exactly. So really, this is like... <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you're just stumbling through this conversation, picking no, up facts. No, I, I just think that, you know, <laughs> after last year, it was, it was a total write-off. So it's kind of, it's good to see him, you know, on the up this year. And I think he's just going to get better. Yeah, uh, Trentino even. I think we said it he after that. Yeah. And that was his first race back. Yeah. So it was already good. I don't know what his ceiling would be in the class. But I feel uh, like he's found a good spot with that Geben team. Like, obviously, it's not an elite team but it's a very good team and I think that fits his level yeah. and his expectation quite well. Interestingly, I, we were talking about maybe Tommy would be getting the ride at Gabon before the whole Patrell announcement came out. Yes. I, we discussed that last, last year a few times about that he would sit on that so, team. Not publicly because we didn't have a podcast. <laughs> no, 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 this is like in pit lane maybe but we were talking. <laughs> but I wonder how different Tommy Searle's season would be uh, and this is not Slate and Boss at all, but I just wonder how different Tommy's season would be if he did, if he, if he was on the Kawasaki on Gabon. Do you think you would see different results from Tommy? Yes. Yeah. Very scared to comment. <laughs> um, uh, it's, yes. I, I think it's just an opinion. No. It's, it's not, we're, we're not saying we're right or wrong. I'm just saying that the, the, the potentially Gabon may, may have suited him. But I obviously, think, I think we give a lot we're of credit. in hindsight. I think we, got a lot, we give a lot of credit to teams like FNH for the steps forward they've taken. Gebbin's kind of on that same path, but flying under the radar. Like, if you look what they gave Lupino towards the end of the last year, yeah. with upgrades to the engine, stuff like that, which helped him get whole shots and then top fives. Yeah. That team is pushing forward. Yeah. I, I, and Patrell's obviously riding that wave. Lupino's been distinctly average this year, but... He's, he's shown glimpses. Not compa- compared to where he was at the end of last oh, okay. year. You're comparing it to... Yeah, yeah. He, he was on yeah. another level at the end of last year. He's kind of slipped back to... Yeah. being Lupino he's being a dad he's just being Lupino again he's being a dad with a kid what wakes up at 3 o'clock in the morning by the way any Italian listeners out there I noticed that a story went up on mxvice.it about Lupino I don't know what it's about I can't read it personally not a clue I just saw the name Alessandro Lupino and it wasn't me who wrote it so 
Wow, okay. And so, advice.it. Maybe you want to talk to one of your fellow colleagues to, <laughs> to find out. Maybe. Exclusive content. I'll throw that one out there. <laughs> just, yeah, just, just if there's any Italians who want to have that, a Lupino well, article. Actually, that's, that's, a, that's a really good point because at the moment, uh, for those who don't know, we, we're actually translating now into Italian. We have been for the last two months, three yep. months. MX5.it is rolling. Yeah, and that's we're really seeing... Uh, huge growth in that area, which is fantastic for MX Vice. And, Shout um, out to uh, Lorenzo Resto. Lorenzo Resto is literally, you know, really pushing the channel forward and the website. Fantastic work. And then also his counterpart, Daniel Magdaleno in Spain. I mean... Shout out to Daniel. Daniel. I'm just here to do that. <laughs> I, I am a stats guy. So like Daniel's, we've seen a 187% increase in our in our Spanish traffic, which is absolutely fantastic. So... Both are uh, Spanish and Italian. It won't be listeners, but it will be readers. Well, there might, might be a few listening. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it depends on how good their Bonjour, English is and no, they French. can understand um, someone from the South. Buongiorno, if you are listening from Italy, and yeah. hola, if you're listening from Spain. Oh, there we go. Jesus, just cracked it. <laughs> uh, and then we've actually got Germany being translated at the moment. So, Oh, yeah, we have. That'll be. I think that might go live this week, but if not this week, early next week. Okay. That's kind of ready now, so that's exciting. And then hopefully Dutch... Uh, a week after that, so um, if it's not Dutch, it ain't much. Is that the same? Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> if Why? it ain't Dutch, it ain't much. Did you think these things through before they come out? No, no, I, I don't think so. Yeah, so yeah, I, if maybe some people are out there aren't aware that we're actually now translating into, and it is your content. Yeah, it's same same stuff. They're starting to the uh, translators are now starting to chip in with their own little things as they obviously grow in a position, but for the most part, it's just my content translated into. Italian. Yeah. So then and Spanish and German and Dutch. But we're adding the local news in PR yeah. um, to support the youth and amateur in local championships. Yeah. So nice things. Yeah. Cool. That was a, that was a tangent, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, but it was uh, important to uh, share because a lot of people probably just think of us as a, an English speaking yeah. website, but we're, yeah, we're, we're like growing. You. We like you, Italians. We're growing. Um, yeah. So back to uh, Geben. Lupino, Boss, and Tommy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, where I, were we? <laughs> so um, I was just saying that. I, I just wonder how, you know, where we would have seen Tommy this year. I think Geben or he was on further along in their history as a team. Mm-hmm. And obviously with that comes experience. Yeah. With that comes knowledge and things work a bit better, you could say. Yeah. Boss are in their first year with the Kawasaki. And Tommy said that in my interview after the race. They're still learning with the bike. Mm-hmm. All new bike uh, yep. for Kawasaki 450, so KX 450 now. So that all contributes, I guess. And obviously, you could, Geben would have got a much sooner start on the bike at the end of last year than Boss would have. Yeah. Although Tommy did start riding it when he was with Dixon, but still, the different teams, different everything. Yeah. From my experience of um, being behind the scenes in, in, in working with a team, <laughs> you're still trying to cover it up with a team. <laughs> <laughs> but. Like, You're still not going to say it. I've just had like first-hand experience of, you know, the ups, the downs, everything what goes on. To, you know, it's, it's not straightforward. And, you know, you're looking at budgets, you're looking at parts, you're trying to keep sponsors happy. It might not be the type of products that you want to use, but you have to use them because otherwise, if you take another product, then you might be spending an extra 50,000 euros a year. It's just... It's just crazy. Like this whole balance of keeping a rider happy whilst also trying to keep the team uh, running in, in business and it not costing you another 100,000 euros a year to make one decision to change a part or product. 
there is a real fine line for teams. And now actually seeing both sides, you, you, you feel for the rider, but you also feel for the teams because at the end of the day, there has to be a compromise in this stuff where everybody gets to a point where, you know, they try and work together. And, and I'm not saying, you know, this is no, I'm not talking about Tommy Soros as a rider or whatever. I'm kind of talking from my first time experience where when you've got this situation with uh, a team uh, using these products, using uh, the settings and stuff like that, it's they're learning. Each year they're learning, but yeah, at the same time, those teams like Boss and stuff like that have to make a decision of, uh, we can't afford to spend 50,000 putting this right, or we can't spend, we can't afford to spend 100,000 making the decision to use this product because we'll end up not riding in the last four GPs. So it's like, what do you want? Do you and want? we saw that with Boss last year. They obviously didn't go to um, Bulgaria and Turkey yeah. for no reason. Bob Rashev was healthy, I think. Yeah. They just didn't show up. And I, and I think... That, that how expensive it is now to ride at this level. I think you just got to like, you got you to roll with it and you've got to be quite flexible as a rider and, and as a team. You, you know, you have, to, you have to hopefully have riders which uh, kind of get it and just will be a, you know, find a compromise. Okay. Just to weigh that out, because obviously that was a very pro team. Mm-hmm. Boss went testing with Porcel and not Tommy in a break? Yeah, I don't so understand that's that. Odd. Yeah, yeah so that's odd. Yeah, I don't so understand that. That's odd. Yeah. Like, there's, like, all, everything you just said doesn't really apply to that. Yeah, and we know what a great rider uh, Christophe Bourseau is. I'm a huge fan. Um, quite a different rider style to Tommy. Yeah, and quite it's a, not Tommy. It, quite it, a different rider, uh, yeah. quite a different person. I, I, well, I just don't understand why you don't test with your own rider. Maybe they wanted Tommy to enjoy the break. Maybe. Maybe. But yeah, it sounds like, uh, I guess we're moving on to Tommy. Uh, Bike problem in the first race. The bike lost all something. In the, I can't remember. It was smoking and basically had to nurse it home, not jump to jump. So he was 21st in that, I think. So didn't get a result. Yeah. Although he disputes that and says he got a result, just not a point scoring result. Yeah. He took the bike home. Which isn't good. No. <laughs> not good. No. <laughs> um, and then second race, 13th, I think. But he was fighting the bike. Obviously, the poor cell setup was his base. And there's only so much you can obviously make little changes, move things around. But there's where, only where so did much. they actually test? Was it actually France? Okay, different country. Tommy said he wanted to go to France in the interview. He okay. said, "I the best thing to do would have been me go to France to test, which is what I wanted to do." That's just a whole strange situation, hey? Yeah, pretty much. I, I've got no explanation for it. No, no, I've I've, I can I can chuck that information out there, but I can't really yeah. give you much. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But so um. He was riding with a poor cell setup all weekend. And Boog, I think they tested with Boog. But I think he was, the poor cell setup was what, was what the team liked and gave to Tommy, which just sounds bizarre. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, uh, I, just, I was saying those words. I was can, like, what? Can you imagine? Uh, mate, here's your brief for the weekend. If you could um, look like Christophe Porcel and you could ride like Christophe Porcel, then this bike's going to be fantastic for you. But uh, Tommy tested. I think the way it worked is at the first moto at Canada Heights, oh, I can't talk, a bit nervous. Okay. Uh, at the first moto at Canada Heights last week, Tommy started with that poor cell setup and then made big changes uh, in the second moto with obviously the support of uh, Matt Hutchins, Evotech, and Boss UK, I guess you'd call it. Boss well, turned into Tommy Sorrow Bike. <laughs> uh, I think, and um, <laughs> I got much happier with the bike. Yeah. But it couldn't use those settings this weekend because they weren't on a truck. The, uh, on the way to Portugal, the truck will go back to its French base and therefore Tommy will have that, those settings, those fork legs, whatever it is. And therefore he'll be in a much better place, Portugal, and moving forward. Okay. That sounds promising. 
But as Tommy said in the interview, he knows how to ride a motorbike. I said motorbike, which is quite funny. Yeah. Um, I still, I still believe that. Like, but he showed it in uh, this year. Yeah. Is that like it's so easy to forget? Argentina, he was pushing the top five. Yeah. So like, obviously, that's just a, a um, don't know what you call it, a detriment to this sport. Everyone does have short memories. Yeah. You're only as ever good as your last race. Absolutely. But shouldn't really forget where he was a month ago, two months ago. So give it time. Let the team learn. Let them iron out a few kinks and uh, it should get rolling. So uh, it's, a, it's a work in progress. In summary, it is a work in progress. So I was going to ask you, did you know about Van Horbeek's injury? No, he kept it secret. Very secret. I, 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 this whole thing still baffles me. Why, why do we have injuries and stuff like that as secrets? Like, why don't people talk about it? And this, is, this is not Sanaya or anything like Sanaya targeted or anything else. Oh. But um, I'm, I'm just saying, and, and I'm bringing this up, but like, you know, like Epstein-Barr. Isn't the first thing you should say is, do you know what? I've got Epstein-Barr. Because straight away, that uh, takes down the, the expectation from the fans, from the team, from the people. If, if you're not talking about this, if, if people knew, I don't know, two weeks ago or a week ago, I don't know how long um, Van Horby what, what, when did he? How long ago did he get injured? Is this from Trenty? Yeah, he got injured uh, in the second moto. His engine failed on the wall jump thing before ah, the yeah. uh, step down. Yeah, and yeah, uh, no, da- what was it? Damaged his AC. I Ligament thought... in his shoulder was damaged or something. I don't. Know. Okay, I don't know. He told the TV person. Right again. So everyone who sat at <laughs> home on their laptop. Oh, I'm reporting on the race. Get like. You just sound pissed off and bitter because you didn't get the news. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to, I, what I don't get, okay, is that they're a, they're a startup team. They're looking for sponsors and everything else. Should they not be communicating? Uh, this is quite a big thing. Do they, do they actually think that they're going to lose sponsors if they find out that Van Horbeek is injured? No, no, they're not. They're trying to build a, a story. They're trying to build uh, a team. They're trying to build a brand. They're trying to build a marketing strategy to get more people in by actually putting that news out there, um, would actually do more good than harm. I don't, I don't get why these people sit on, let's not tell anybody, and we're going to call it a big surprise. When, why? Well, I'm guessing that if Van Horwick hadn't been targeted by Lisa Leyland on the start of that moto, he never would have told anyone. I'm guessing. So even now it would be a secret. But um, yeah, while you were on that lovely little speech of yours, I was trying to come up with a counterpoint to like give an explanation, or at least like, one percent of an explanation. I've got nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, well you're not because it's, it makes but, well, no sense. I know. I think pe- what people think is that people are then going to target like, oh, he's got a damaged ankle. I'm going to rip it off in this turn. But but that isn't a thing. But look look at football. I don't want to look at. I football. know you don't understand football or, or or look at football. But as soon as somebody's injured, literally they go for an X-ray, and then after pretty much as soon as possible, it's released what the injury is, how long they're going to be out for and everything else. Not only is it then communicated, the recovery process, there's f- constant updates right the way through, right? And this is the sport where people are getting paid millions and millions of pounds compared to two motocross. So if at that level and at that much exposure, people communicate injuries and what's going on and everything else, why, is this, why does this not happen in motocross? A good example of that is um, when Comrade Muse went down at Canada Heights. Hitachi put up a Facebook post which was a bit <laughs> a bit over the top. But they said Comrade damaged his right wrist or whatever in the second moto and is on his way to hospital for further evaluation now. Great. Communicated. Yeah. 
the post maybe wasn't technically the best, most polite way to put it. Yeah. But they got the message at out. At least yeah. they... They can't... Yeah. Like, whereas, we're not two ain't bad, at least no. they tried. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they got the message out, which is what you want. Yeah. It stops people guessing. It's, it's almost similar in a way, like, that interview I did with Conrad in Trentino, where he said he was struggling mentally and stuff like that, and he knows he can fix it and all of this. I said to him, like, when I, we were talking about whether to do an interview about it, I said, like, if we don't do the interview, people are just going to talk shit. Like, at least now we're getting out, if you, you're getting out in front of it and kind of shutting everyone up, because what can people say? You've already said it. And it's kind of a similar thing. Like, if Van Horbeck hadn't told anyone about his shoulder, everyone probably would have slagged him off. Although, admittedly, uh, his clutch went in the first race. So not like that stopped him from doing well. Yeah. And he was ninth in the qualifying race. So it really seems like it's not a problem. But uh, yeah, weird. Yeah. I, th- I think he didn't... I can't remember, but I think he didn't even ride before Mantua. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Who, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Like, no one knows, so... Van Horbeck denied, denied... Van Horbeck denied a post-race podcast with me because he had nothing to talk about. I then said, can we talk about your stolen <laughs> helmet? And he said, no. Okay. So he didn't want to talk about his helmet, his injury, no. or anything that happened. Quite a lot to talk weeks. about on my radar, but... Yeah. Okay. Well, it's his choice. That's not what I, I mentioned that about. I just, I just don't understand. And it, he won't be the, the, the last one. No. There'll be many more things which we don't know about or is communicated. Well, you just probably... look at a rider and you just think, you know, what's going on? And there's actually a valid reason behind it, whether it's, you know, I, I, I just think that uh, for me, it's like everybody sees it as a weakness. Yeah, that is it. Yeah. When it, it doesn't need to be a weakness. It could actually be, uh, it could actually be a positive move. I guess it's a bit of pride as well because obviously uh, hype was high about Van Horbeck after the first couple of rounds and everyone was excited. And if he's come out and said, you know, I'm going under the knife today, that would have kind of deflated a little bit. So maybe he just wanted to keep the high tempo and buzz around him. Yeah. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. uh, Or maybe he just didn't see the point. There's probably riders who just don't see the point because a lot of like... A lot of people don't want to share news unless it's good news. Similar when I'm trying to do interviews. A lot of riders are like, well, what have I got to say? Which, so, but, so I don't want to be disrespectful, but that just shows how out of touch this whole situation is with what's going on in the rest of the world. In a moment, and I don't, I condone it actually, but anything negative is always spoken about and people will get on the bandwagon. I mean, that's the whole reason why Facebook is, uh, it, it is literally so successful at dramatization of... Um, and, and building up kind of like hate for a particular person or, or something because people love to comment on negative stuff. I don't, I, I don't like that. I'm a, I'm a positive person. I like to talk about positive things. However, uh, I think a team, a rider and everything else could really use social media and use marketing uh, currently to their benefits, to build a story, to build talk about a team and everything else if they spoke about these things. I just don't get why they have these tools out there but they don't use them. Here, here. Nah, just saying. Just saying. It's my rant of the day. Okay. I cool. enjoyed that. I Thanks. wasn't actually listening, but... Cool. Max was obviously looking good. Oh, literally. <laughs> I t- <laughs> this is literally out of control. Like, I-, I can't think of a time when someone has had this much bad luck. And someone put on the MX Vice Facebook page, like, oh, it's not luck. He was literally just in wrong place, wrong time in that second moto. Yeah. Like, nothing he could have done. Absolutely nothing. No. He was just going about his business. Okay, you could say he should have got a better start. Lots of people got bad starts or mediocre starts and didn't get ridden up. 
I don't know what you'd call that. I have no idea. Like, yeah. Just wrong place, wrong time, but weird, weird, weird streak continues. Yeah. I'd honestly, I don't even know what to say. Let's, I think I did this last time. I did this on the last show, but let's do the whole fun thing again. So let me find him. Okay. So Argentina Moto 1, DNF, uh, exhaust problem, fourth in the second one. Matterly, uh, seventh in the first race, second one, 14th, crashed in the second turn. Shit happens. Yeah. Luck, I guess you could call that. Yeah. Because a first turn crash, like whatever. Um, Volkerswald was leading, could have won that race, genuinely believe it. Uh, crashed. Well, he stalled and went over the bars, didn't he? Uh, something like that. Okay. That, you could say that's rider error. Okay. He would have got up and finished like third, but his foot peg was pierced Stuck in into his, his pants. Yeah. And he couldn't free himself. Yeah. That's bad luck. That's just a freak. That's bad that's luck. That's never going to happen yep, again. That's bad luck. Yeah. So he was um, uh, 16th in that. Ninth in the next one, uh, Trentino. Uh, Will broke in the uh, second moto and then first moto. I can't actually remember what happened in the first moto. I can't even. No, but either way, bad luck. And then off we come to, well, before Mantova, crashed in the Dutch championship, injured his elbow, although not really injured it because it was fine. Yeah. But either way, had to go to hospital for checkups. Come to Italy, Mantova, running second in the first moto, looked great, matching Crowley's times, finished fourth after a little crash. Good result. Once again, proving that everything's good over there and he can battle for podiums and yeah, wins. The bike's good. Yeah. He's good. And then second moto gets ridden up. Like, just bad luck. It's yeah. bad luck. Like, I honestly, I've never seen anything like it, I don't think. Yeah. This is now two months worth of freak things. Is that the tangle with Sean Simpson? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just uh, ridden up is the best way to describe it. Yeah. Okay. And he um, got a handlebar to the gut or whatever and had a, I think you'd call it an ultrasound after the race and it showed that everything was fine. Like the handlebar missed the important bits is the way he put it. Yeah. So, so he's lucky he got away with it. Yeah. And he'll be back in Portugal. But a bit sore. Yeah. Well, he was already a bit sore with his elbow, but... <laughs> no, he's even more sore. But, but uh, yeah, I believe it will all come together eventually. Maybe even this weekend. If he can go 7-7, which is much better than, he can do much better than that. Yeah. 7-7 seven, seven would at least be a uh, getting a train back on track. Yeah, definitely. It'd be great to see him back at that. He's up to 13th in the championship now. And actually, considering all of that, he's right behind Tonus, Lieber and Koldenhoff in the championship. So it's actually not in a bad, like, no. obviously he should, instead of 13th, he should be like 5th, 6th, 7th, 4th. Yeah, I would say 5th, yeah. But, look at the riders ahead of him. It's amazing that he's so close to those people with this all this bad luck, yeah. Run. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Kevin Strybos, good to see him uh, back, obviously, this week. First GP since uh, September last year. Yep, Imola. Imola, yeah. Yep. That's a long time, hey? Yeah, I did actually have a day count, but I can't remember what it was. Okay. Did you speak to him the weekend? Uh, no. Oh, that's weird. You guys have buddies as well, aren't you? Only Twitter buddies. <laughs> oh, Twitter buddies, yeah. okay. No, I didn't. And just a quiet weekend for him, really. Yeah. Nothing really happened to report, I don't think. Well, we know he's uh, racing in the Swedish Championship. Yeah. To just, uh, I think he got the okay from the doctor on the Thursday and raced on the Saturday. Yeah, but that was the first Swedish championship round, which yeah. was at the beginning of April. I think it was, I think a week. It was April the 17th. I think it? it was two weeks after Trentino. So yeah. he did that race, and then there was a Swedish championship the week before Mantova, which he did as well, and won the second moto. They do a free moto format. Yeah. So he's been racing a while, riding a while. And uh, yeah, it's just a quiet weekend. Fine. Results were fine. Nothing really to report. Nothing yeah. to really moan about. I guess about. that's all he needs to do for the next few GPs, isn't it? Oh yeah, this is a work in progress. This isn't if, a... If we look at Jonas in, in Coldenhoff and all the other people that have come back, like 
the expectation's got to be, what, a good four or five races just to get back to race fitness, race speed? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's going to, he said it himself, it's going to take time. Yeah. This isn't, a, like, I think I've said it on a previous podcast, like, people think people, riders come back and it's because they're, I'm 100%, I'm ready to race. It's not that at all. It's, Fever even said it about returning this weekend. He's not ready, but you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. So where do you do that? You've got to kind of bite the bullet and get on with it. Yeah, and just see where you are. Yeah. And improve. But not an ideal uh, conditions to return in. No. Um, but his teammate, Bry Lyakov, great result for him and the team. Yes. So he had an eventful Saturday. An eventful Saturday. I think his forks collapsed. Yes. Yeah. That was a sight yeah. for... Sore eyes? What does that say? What does that yeah, say? Sight mean? for sore eyes, yeah. Oh, guess, that was a yeah. sight for sore eyes? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, have that one. Yeah. Um, obviously, which is not obviously good, but... Um, 30 second on the gate. But to rebound from that to, was it 11th overall? Yeah, 11th overall. Yeah, tied for 10th. Yeah. So to bounce back from that on a Saturday, that, that's, that's a great show. Oh, yeah. And he's had a rough... Like, he has not shown much through the first four rounds. No. I think he only scored points in one moto. I think that was yeah. the 16th in Moto 2 in Trentino. But again, he's been out since Russia last year. True, but you'd expect him to be a consistent point scorer. Yeah. So he needed this just to kind of boost his, yeah. I don't know, his morale and just kind of remind everyone what he's capable of, I guess. Yeah, and I know it's a wet race and everything else, but um, uh, 11th overall, that's going to show some teams that, um, you know, if, if Brian Larkov's looking to... Um, look to the future, then it's going to show teams that he's capable yeah. and, uh, of riding that level. Like the greatest challenge, like Bogus, like all of these guys, is now he's got to back that up. Because if he doesn't back it up, then no one's going to care and everyone's just going to write it off because it's a mud race. Yeah, there's no point in picking up a point in Portugal this yeah. week. That's actually saying. the issue that everyone's got. Everyone who got a good result in Mantua, if they don't immediately back it up, everyone will go, well, it was a mud race. That's almost the toughest thing that I found after the race interviewing guys and even analysing it now. That can almost be the explanation for everything. Oh, why wasn't Geyser on the podium? Well, it was a mud race. Anything can happen. Oh, why did Jonas do so well? Uh, it was a mud race. Anything can happen. Oh, why was Crody so dominant? Well, it was a mud race. Anything can happen. Like, that almost fits everything. <laughs> so you, like, you can't put too much into the results. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's still a race and it's a skill to survive in those conditions. So Portugal this weekend, we're not expecting rain? No. Well, it was originally going to rain on Friday from 11 till 2 p.m. Okay. But... Now that's disappeared. It's meant to rain Thursday. Okay. And not Saturday and Sunday at all. 18 to 19 on Saturday and Sunday. So, so we could have perfect conditions. Yeah. I'm actually quite excited. Not that this is relevant to what we're talking about at all. But growing up, just in case people don't know, I'm not like 50. Like, so me growing up was like... Really? Yeah. Me growing up was like 2006. Yeah. So watching GP... <laughs> well, <laughs> Sorry, just laughing. Yeah, um, what, so watching GPs in like 2005, 2006, 2007, all of that. Aguada was always the one where I watched it and I was like, one day I want to go to that track because it looks spectacular on TV. Yeah. Like, especially in those years, there wasn't, I think 2005 it rained in Aguada. Yeah, 2005 it was wet in Aguada. But not typically, it was uh, sunny and hot and slick and hard pack. So the orange dirt just looked amazing and the track's a bit different now, but like the step up out, out of the first turn looked unreal and like amazing. Now it's just a slope. But... It was always just one that I really wanted to go to. And I've been there twice now. So it was back on the schedule in 2017 and then obviously last year as well. And both times it's rained really hard. So it's been just rutty and soft and everything. And I really want to go to a grader and see hard pack 
proper Aguada. Yeah. And I think I'm going to get that. So I'm quite excited. Cool. Thanks for wrapping that up in uh, in like 10 seconds. <laughs> um, Ouch. Do, do, sorry. Ouch. I just was properly given like a bit of my childhood. So do you want to talk any more about MXGP? Are we done? Uh, let me just, let me just uh, do a quick scroll. Because I think, I think we're done. Jazakonis was good, but we should expect that now. Eighth overall was his worst result of the year, but what can you do? It's a mud race. Anything can happen. See? Yeah. Tommy, better things are coming. Better things are coming. <laughs> yeah, we know Simpson was okay and then had a bit uh, of a mare. I did expect Simpson to be, I've got to be honest, top top seven. I think he even put on Instagram that he underperformed, so. Yeah. But I said this to a few riders, like, it was mud. It wasn't your typical mud race, though. It wasn't sticky and because it was sandy, it was almost like the slosh moved to one side. Yeah. And then you just have one deep rut everywhere. Yeah. Like I said earlier, if it was hardback, it would have been your sticky, muddy mess. But it wasn't that. I guess you'd still call it mud, but it wasn't your normal mud race. Yeah. It was just wet sand, basically. I'll t- tell you what was actually pretty cool on the, uh, on the TV was watching Jacoby pass Sterry around the outside. Just literally took a completely different I line. don't know when that happened or what race that it's was. It's fine. Like. But... um. I think that's where it, it was a, where you rolled a dice. It seemed to be one of those, you could go around the outside and you could take a different line. It's either going to work out or you're just going to absolutely crash, like crash brains out. Or get stuck in the mud like Sun I did. Yeah. So um, I, think, I think a lot of people definitely took the safe option. Shout out to Petr Petrov, who was actually having a pretty good second race until his bike broke. Damn. That was the first time that he... <laughs> that was a really concerned. <laughs> well... He's one of those riders which is he not. To, he, he needs some. He just needs a bit of. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just feel. I just feel for him because he's obviously got the, the, the talent. It's just. It's just not coming together for him. But he but, was. Um, yeah. He was going to have his first good result of the year. I guess you'd call it. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about Tanel Leok later because we're going to talk about MX Manager. Okay. And I have a speech for everyone who is slagging me off. <laughs> Brilliant. I hope that's good. Yeah, Bernardini. We're talking about him later because we've got a question about him in Ask Fight okay. Anything. Interesting. And uh, two, actually, three riders we didn't talk about. Do you want me to wrap it up quickly? Yeah, why not? So, you're going to talk about Libra, aren't you? No. Oh, okay. Uh, Maybe that's four. Monticelli. Yep. Uh, should have easily looked fast enough to be on a podium. That's yeah, just what Monticelli does. Yeah, he was great. He was in my, mon- in my Amex <laughs> manager team. I was pretty disappointed. Uh, bike broke in the first race. Weirdly, in exactly the same rut that Servalin or Chervelins did. Okay. In the first race. Maybe there was a, yeah, anti-Italian Yeah, Because uh, like, so, it wasn't even a bad rut. Okay. But, um, yeah, and then second moto dislocated his shoulder. Uh, Ow. You didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't You know literally that. just don't read MX5, do you? No, no, I've got to um, be honest. I was too busy with the barbecue. <laughs> yeah, but this was like Monday I shared that. Yeah, news. I was busy. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know how he's going to be this weekend or if he's even going to race, but he's got checkups with a doctor this week and then I guess we'll learn more. Okay. But he crashed on lap one, as did Max. So Stanley Construct had a right old mare at the beginning of that race. Yeah. Uh, and what could have been such a great weekend for him? Yeah. They could have quite easily had one podium, even two. Yeah. Like, I don't think that was out of the question. They could yeah. have had three well, Three in the top five. Yeah, three yeah. in the top six, whatever. Uh, so yeah, bummer for him. But hope it'll be interesting to see if this halts his run of good form. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the first kind of hiccup he's had. So I'm interested to see if whether it's going to be a knockback, yeah, which he and can come he, back from, or is he? If he comes right back and's right at that level again, that kind of proves that he's here to stay, yeah. no matter what. Jorge Zaragoza, Jorge, yeah, Jorge, yeah, Jorge, yeah, Jorge, yeah, Jorge. I think I don't think I say it right. I no, don't think it's it is Jorge. Jorge. I don't think it is. 
No, it, it, trust me, it is. I think someone actually sent us a pronunciation. If that person can do it again, that'd oh, be great. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Zaragoza was back, his first GP of the year, first on a 450. Where has he been? Spanish Championship. <laughs> is that... Yeah. <laughs> great, okay, yeah. Why does that... <laughs> well, he's a great rider. He's oh, yeah, a good rider. Is. Yeah, it's just it's, a shame. It's crazy to think what he was once tipped to do. Well, you've got riders like him. You, well, that's, we, we always talk about Guillo and, and all these guys. Guillo, Guillo yeah. Who's just, forget him. <laughs> yeah, who just sat on the sidelines. But um, yeah, Zaragoza didn't score any points, two bike problems, but looks quite good in the mud. Yeah. I think he won four, He was started fourth in the first race. Didn't look out of place. And I know he's racing Portugal this weekend, which is his uh, home GP effectively with no Spanish one. But yeah. uh, hopefully he'll make it to a few because he's exciting. And I don't know, just good to have him in a mix. And finally, Austin Root raced. We had a, an American in MXGP. Austin Root, yeah. So you're his manager, aren't you? No. Oh, are you not? No. You, what, did you resign? Huh? Did you resign? I just offer him advice on what I know is going on in the pits and stuff. Oh, uh, okay. And like emails and stuff. Yeah. But, did, you, um, did you manage to hang out and catch up the weekend? Uh, yeah. Not after the race. I don't really know what happened. Okay. But he was basically there as a privateer. Yeah. Because he rides for the KMP team. And the KMP team are slated to do Tuchental and Lommel. Yeah. And he... So he's effectively just doing the German championship. That's kind of what his deal is. But there's a one German championship round a month. So he basically said, like, I need to race. So he actually paid out of his own money. Wow. He had a KMP pop-up, but was out of a van. That's very cool. Yeah. And just was there because he wanted to race and he wants to be in GPs and he wants to do that's, that. That's very cool. Yeah. I like that. Good story, bro. Yeah. like that. So I'm hopefully going to yeah. do a bit more of him on his yeah. story because it's quite interesting to... Like, we always have Americans come over, but most of the time it's... Not in a privateer sense. Yeah, it's not a good team. Not in a privateer sense. His girlfriend's Italian, so that kind of explains why he's here, but he wants to be in GPs and he wants to prove himself, which is why he decided to sack up and get himself out there. Let's find out more about that then. Let's do that. Do it. Right. Um, Wait, you're going to say we're going to go to commercial? (sighs) Yeah, I'm dying for a drink. Okay, just to tie it in, while we're talking about Americans in MXGP, what did you learn? What? <laughs> about an American coming over for France. I'm keeping that one for the next break. Oh. Yeah, that's that's uh I feel that's, like that's nothing to do with MXGP. No, it isn't. It's a one two five rider, but yeah. I just thought you might want to drop something. No, I'm gonna drop that when we get back so people okay. wanna to listen to the next section. They're probably bored shitless at the moment because we've been talking for ages. I don't think we have. How long have we been talking for, Rob? Yeah, an hour. <laughs> See, she's like rabbit on about I crap. I don't feel like we've said much. Okay, apologies to everybody who's got to listen to this for an hour. Um, we're going to go for a drink and then we'll be straight back. MX5 For everything in the world of motocross, head to mxvice.com, at Motocross Vice on Twitter, and search MX Vice on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. All content is now available in Spanish and Italian. MX5 Good to be back. That was a very long break. Very short for other people, but long break for us. It was only like half an hour. Yeah, well, it's just nice to see the sun. For everybody out there, we have got a little competition this week. We're going to give everybody the opportunity to win uh, a ProWorks stand. These are the foldable stands, what you can put on the back of your pickup or your uh, uh, van. That, that would be a ramp, James. A stand is what you put a bike on, so it stands up. And then the thing that you put... Oh, you fucking love it, don't you? Look at your face. <laughs> I can't get my oh, words out because I'm so fucking excited. What a prick. Uh, so sorry. Your, Apolo- yes, apologies, everybody. It's not a fucking stand. It's a ramp. So... This isn't a good advert for the product. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, so, uh, yeah, we have a competition this week, everybody. It's uh, a ProWorks uh, ramp. Loading ramp. A loading ProWorks ramp. Loading ramp. Yes. So, they are coming all different colours. We're just going to watch... Let's just pick one. 
Should we let the winner pick one? Yeah, we'll let the winner pick a, a colour. You can have the colour. It's red, orange, green, pink, black, white. All you have to do, all you have to do is share or re- retweet when the podcast comes out. We're just going to pick one person who, who shares or retweets the, the show from Lewis's original uh, post. But Lewis's original post on MX Vice. On MX Vice, yeah. So you just shared a post on MX Vice and then we're going to pick a winner. That's it. That simple. You don't have to do anything else. I just I can't get over you calling it a stand. It's just, <laughs> there's so much going on in my mind. <laughs> yeah, but that's quite simple. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. It, it just happens a lot. Mm. I'm not going to lie. I think because I was actually looking at the stands, uh, sorry, looking at the ramps and underneath is, is a lot of stands. Oh. So, yeah, just sidetrack really. E- easy done. For everybody you. makes mistakes. Especially you. There we go. So, little competition there for everybody. Looking forward to, uh, well, actually, we must not look forward to keep looking back to last weekend because I guess we want to talk MX2. Yeah. Although it was kind of, is there much to talk about? Um, I mean, Prado just, just, just done uh, what Prado does. Well, it's a good thing I have a good memory because uh, on the last podcast, we placed a little bet on when Prado would get the red plate. Yeah. I said Portugal. You right. said France. Okay. He's now only seven points down. So I like my chances. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's basically the highlight of MX2 in my mind. No, I'm joking. Um, None of missed opportunity for Olsen this weekend, do you feel? No, he crashed in the first turn. That's what I mean. Missed oh. opportunity. I'll say this. Olsen won the qualifying race yep. by moving forward. That may be the most impressive race I've ever seen him have. Okay. Charged forward, dropped ish Prado and some of the others and yeah looked good and moved forward didn't get the whole shot and then stay there or benefit from anyone else's mistakes it was a straight up win and I genuinely can't really think of a time he's done that okay because obviously um, Prado wasn't up massively yeah so, so why was that just Prado having a lackluster day yeah or? Prado, I didn't actually ask Prado about qualifying when I spoke to him after the race okay probably important no point. not really um, okay he's one 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 so you just spoke about all the great stuff and just left out. Why? Yeah. Okay. Um, and this was feedback from people. How I have a point and then you come in with your jokes, putting me it's off. It's not a joke. It's, it's an observation. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it was an off race. Yeah. Weird race. Haven't really seen that for uh, him. Are you talking about your mum and your brother as people who you speak to that are giving you feedback? No. Uh, what are those once other again, people you speak again, about? Once again, I'm just trying, I'm trying to move forward with my point. Either way, yeah, qualifying was off for Prado, but he was back in the motos. One whole shot, close to a whole shot in the second race. Was it Barney the dog? Perfect. Nothing's going to stop Prado. Here's a question, though. Okay. Prado, if Prado was racing Matterley, fair to say he would have gone 1-1. Right. Yeah? Yeah. Agreed? Yeah. Not arguing that. Say he went 1-1 at Matterley. Mm-hmm. Are we now talking about a perfect season? I think so, yeah. Or do you think it's still just impossible for a rider to pull that off in GPs? And... No, I, I tell you what I did watch in my seven-week break. I did watch the Red Bull film. Of Prado. Isn't that in Spanish? I don't know. Because I haven't watched it because I thought it was in Spanish. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe I was just watching <laughs> subtitles. <laughs> you actually don't know what you watched. You can't remember. No, nah, maybe, uh, maybe it was subtitles. Oh. Yeah, I think it was actually subtitles. Yeah, no, you're right. I think I had it on quiet because uh, the kids were watching something else and everything else. But um, that really was an eye-opener for me. And actually, you know, after watching that and, and kind of actually taking a step back and looking through what he, he has actually achieved up till now. 
it wouldn't surprise me if he went all year without losing. Obviously, it's a tall ask, and there's lots of stuff that can happen, different conditions. You can get ill when you go to Indonesia. Anything can happen. But I think it would be worthy of a conversation because he's been untouchable. Yeah. I can't. He doesn't look vulnerable at all. And he should do now. Well, he should have done in Trentino and Vulcansoir because he was coming off a shoulder injury. But he literally, I don't know what it's going to take to beat him. I genuinely don't. I just want to put this out there. And I think a lot of people maybe are thinking the same. What the hell was next year? Because if he wins this championship and he goes up, we've got potentially Hurlins, Caroli and Prado all on Red Bull KTMs. Yes. So should anybody else bother turning that? Um, wow. Okay. That's a bit of a brutal well, question. It, well, just think about it. I mean, I mean, I'm actually excited about that. those guys competing against each other. I mean... What the hell's Prado going to do on a 350 or 450? He's that fast on a 250 at the moment. And actually, in... in cool, the, you are excited, aren't you? Very excited. And this is not being disrespectful to, to, to other riders and stuff like that, but um, interestingly, in the, in the film I watched of Prado, they don't actually... They think this is as good as he can get. They, they don't feel that there's ways that he can improve. And he, what is he, 19, 18? Uh, I looked at this. I think he's 18. So he's 18 years old. I know he was born on the 5th of January 2001. And the people around him don't feel that he can get better than he is. He's 18 and nearly the complete product. I actually, um, when I interviewed both him and Crowley and Mantova, both of them were talking about training with each other. And as I walked away, I was like, you know one thing that no one's ever asked? Is there ever a time when when they're training together that Prado is just waxing Crowley? You know that's probably happening. That's my next question. I don't know why no one's ever asked it. No. Because it's not ridiculous. No. Especially in Italy, I'm sure they go to some tight tracks where a 250 is a bit better. But Kima, that's how fast he is on a 250. Let's just say he doesn't even go 450. He, he goes 350. And he's that size. Can you imagine if a 350 comes back? Now that would be a... Well, can you imagine him on a 350 on, on just starts? Yeah, but you think... It's tough to comment on this without being disrespectful to someone, but... We're not being disrespectful. We're, no, we're, no, no, no. But what I'm saying, what I was going to say is you're forgetting just how good Hurlins was last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Take, I'll take that point, but I just don't know. Prado is just... You know, we always talk about... Well, Off-air, we always talk about like the whole rocks and Hurlins, and I definitely think we've got to start including Prado in this. this. How, why haven't you been doing that? He's a world champion. Why no, would you start now? No, as in, because I, I think because although he did dominate when he came through from, you know, the 125 and a 250, it wasn't, Prado landing was not the same as Roxon and the hype wasn't there as much as. Um, I think he's no. created the hype in the last few years. No, I disagree because his first MX2 race at Assen in 2006, I know, that's in the film as well, where he went out and he beat Hurlitz. Battle with Hurlitz, yeah, yeah. sand. So that was, like, that's more impressive than Roxon's debut at Aguada in 2009. Yeah. I don't know why, maybe it's just my, me then. Maybe it's my opinion that it didn't, it's just... I think Hurlins was, like, third overall in his first GP, but yeah. third or fourth, maybe, but... I can remember being there at Assen with... I guess I, I would have been there as well. I think you would have. I don't I remember I was, that at all. I was stood on a rooftop, I believe. Oh. Yeah. But... Going back to, I, I'm actually, when you look at the depth of the field this year in MXGP is, is, is amazing. Yep. And then you've got riders which haven't got, who should be there, yep. but haven't got rides. Um, and then you've got, now got Prado going into MXGP. And you've possibly got a three-way battle between Caroli, um, Prado, 
um, in Hurling's my eyes. Yeah, obviously a lot of X factors there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of little, little factors and stuff like that. But what I'm like, next year is going to be insane. But then, how does what's what's the expectation? I know we're supposed to be talking about. MXGP, I don't know where you're going with this. You're running. I'm kind of excited because tell. then it's like. What about the Decels? What about the Paul Lance? And then, and then when you th- look at the teams who are going to be looking at another, you know, riders coming in next year and how much they're going to pay them, are they going to pay them that much money to get fourth or fifth or sixth or and then eighth? You've got- and eighth is as good as a, if you take those three out, an eighth is as good as a top five. And then you've got Blander, Insteri, Jacoby, Chervelin, I think, Laranaga, and others moving up. Eight I, riders, I think. So. Yeah, I, I genuinely, yeah. Just, just when you think you've reached a peak with, with where we are with the riders in the World Championship, I think it's just next year is going to be even more crazier. But the scary thing is we're, we're going to see a lot of riders without rides next year, I believe. Oh, yeah. It's so just a natural progression of things, though. Yeah. Anyway, so that's well, Prado. You heard it. Here, you so, heard it here first. Don't bother listening to any podcasts for the rest of the year because 2020 <laughs> is where it's at. Well, interestingly, if you haven't watched a Prado documentary, I haven't. A hundred percent. Just get on Red Bull um, TV now and watch it because it's absolutely fantastic. Really good. Gives you great insight into into Prado, the family, and all what they've been through and how they got to here. Some uh, yeah, it was good. There we go. Nice. So, so that's where I spent my break. Cool. Um, well, Pooch Jess. Oh, I, I've been waiting for this. Let's, let's talk. I, I haven't been this genuinely happy for someone yeah. in a long time. I mean, he's had a tough road. Unreal, really. 2015, Majora, he first went MX2. Yeah. That was a long time ago. And that's after winning the EMX 250? No. When did he win the EMX 250 championship? I don't think he, um, I don't think he did. I thought he did. He, I know he was dominating, like had was perfect in one two fives, and then injured his shoulder and lost it. Okay, so that's what you're thinking of. Mm, I thought he he was European champion, but I might be wrong. No, because 2014 was the year that um, Clark won the MX250. 2014, that long ago? Yeah, because it was the year before I started doing GPs. Okay, all right, let's scrap that. We'll but, look um, at that stat yeah, later or something. Pooch has had a rough road, lots of injuries. He said in uh, my interview at a weekend. But 2017, when he did his shoulder, and I think it sidelined him for basically the entire year, he was just sat crying for a month, just not talking to anyone. Like, he has hit rock bottom at points, I think, or at least sounds like it, to get back to this level with a team that's never had. This team only joined MX2 at Matterley last year. So they haven't even had a full season in MX2 yet. Yet they've put a rider on a podium, and their team manager or team owner, I forget his name, Oh, this is a dick move. But the team manager slash owner of the Diga Progross, Procross team was in pit lane and like very emotional. I can imagine. In a but, cool way. Like it was just cool to see that it meant that much to pooches, to the team owner. To, yeah. like, but they, they're, uh, again, no disrespect to them, but they came through from, from actually focusing on youth in yeah. the EMX, yeah? Yeah. So this is their first foray into... into yeah, they obviously had Laranaga and um, Bandonic at the end of last year when the... Ottobiano team eight. folded yeah, yeah. Um, so they obviously got thrown in then yeah but this is like an unbelievable story really and one that doesn't get enough attention like they were working out of a pop-up tent at the weekend were they? yeah but basically the paddock was split into two sections you had the main paddock and then a long I heard because there was a long walk away big walk wasn't there so it's six minutes yeah I, ra- I uh, and then in the other paddock was Boss Race FX KTM Revo, JWR, 
and others like those teams. Yeah. And then I found Diga in there just out of a little pop-up tent or whatever. So Puches was just working out of a pop-up weekend? I believe so, yeah. Wow. But like it's it's just a it goes to show. I don't know what it goes to show, but it just goes to show that A, Puches is a great rider. You don't need a massive awning in the truck? That as well. Like it just, it's just a cool story all around. And this isn't anything new. Pooches, like it isn't a surprise to me at all that Pooches got on a podium. He's had in. Um... No, uh, I think if you rewind back a few shows, I've been on the bandwagon. No, I've. No, I, no, 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 because Pooches actually found me. This is bollocks Aston. again, bro. No, Pooches actually. We need to put this no, into the archives. I've been there longer because Pooches actually found. Fuck no, off, have you? Pooches actually found me at Aston two years ago and said, "Thanks for tweeting nice things about me." And I said, and I remember saying, I can see, I've seen the speed. I, I can see that you're like, you're fast enough to do some good things. Oh, Pooches, love you, Pooches. So you're just a bit, no, you're, you're... it's not. I actually was on this bandwagon a lot sooner than you this year. I even tweet, I've got a message, I can show you a tweet or a message or something that I sent on Sunday morning saying yeah. Pooches were podium today. I'm going to listen back. This okay. has actually made me want to listen to okay. some other episodes because I, I think I was the first person to say he's only 20. Okay. You said, and he's still got three years okay, left congratulations. You were the first person to say his age. Well, obviously that's something you don't know. But either way, I, his qualifying on Saturday, he had little, I think he was the fastest rider on track for like two laps in a row. Yeah. So like, and that's been consistent all year. Like there's been these little things that are like, it's all going to come together eventually. It's all going to come together eventually. And he would have actually been second overall had he not crashed alongside pit lane. Uh, with two laps to go. I can see what's happened. Oh, God. Ben Watson's had a couple of bad races, and this is what happens to you. You jump off of that bandwagon with the next hottest thing. I can see lots of things. I've, I don't know how many times... Are you just denying myself. it now? Wait no, till Sean and Wes hear this one. I don't, have to, I don't have to explain the fact that I'm stood in pit lane and I see lots of different things going along. Same with Dylan Walsh when we get to him. I bet Ben's disappointed. There's big Dylan Walsh hype coming. Is there? Yep, that's coming up later in the show. <laughs> is this you or is this you I've seen bringing things, hype? I've seen things there as well. Okay. I see multiple things. Okay. Like, this, is what, this is what people don't understand. I, I, can, I see everything. I can see you're getting very animated now because arms are going, yes. you've lifted the mic, everything. Yeah. Okay, I like this reaction. This is passion. Yeah, we always get passion in the second half of the show. I always feel like the first half, the first, before the first commercial break is a bit like we're finding our feet. Yeah. And then the second block... We come alive. Pooches. Oh, yeah. This is, this is just good. Okay. <laughs> right. Talk to me I'm, about No, I'm just, oh, yeah. Happy for him. Good things. Great things. Talk to me about oh, good. Okay. I think, I don't think this will be his last podium. And I'm interested to see where he goes next year. And what, because he's, like you said, he's got time in MX2. Yeah. I see no reason why he won't be winning GPs eventually. He's got to be a contender coming, going forward. So it's going to be where, where he just does needs he go? starts now because that is, uh, key to him making his next step because he doesn't really put himself in a position to contend which is why I often see these fastest sector times fastest lap times when he's down in ninth. can you see him on Kamiya? no no? they're full for next year are they? yeah who's on Kamiya next year? Ben and Yargo okay so Ben's staying down a year he's not gonna I think there was an option there okay but potentially full okay but this is I almost I almost fell into this trap myself FNH? yeah I could see that okay but um, I almost fall into this trap myself. Like, you want to talk about how he should be on a better, quote, quote, unquote, better team. Clearly, this Diga team's doing a job. Well, if he's got a podium, he, they, might they are not, doing a job. They might not be the most spectacular team in a paddock or have the biggest setup, but it clearly works for him. Well, he, he couldn't do a lot worse by staying where he is. So, exactly. Like, you, want to, you almost fall into that trap and you want to shout and scream about how, oh, imagine what it'd be like on 
I was going to say Red Bull KTM, but sore subject. Tried that. Yeah. Um, but you know what? You get what I mean. Like it's, it's disrespectful in a way because that team's got him to his first podium and many teams have tried and it hasn't worked. No. So maybe this does work for him. We'll, yeah. have to, we'll see throughout the rest of the year if he can repeat that in, in Portugal this weekend. I think he's going to be good. I yeah. don't good being another podium yeah. or two throughout the year, a few top fives and consistent top ten guy. Nah, it's good. It's, it's great to see him back. You know, I think we're both fans it's just a, of, it's of just the way crazy. he rides. And... Like, imagine when he was the next big thing, the next hurlings, as he was dubbed. Yeah. Imagine if back then, when he'd made his MX2 debut at Majora in 2015, if someone had come up to you and said, uh, he'll get his first podium in four years' time. Yeah. Everyone would have been like, what? Yeah. Like, how's that going to work? It'll be next weekend. Like, yeah. That's also why people maybe forget how young he is. That's Matacross. Because that's, that's a career lifetime almost. Mm-hmm. Well, not at all, actually, but <laughs> you get what I mean. Right. One of the uh, standout riders uh, who I feel is, you know, he's had a couple of, you know, races where it's not quite worked out this year through injuries and bits and pieces, but good to see him back, Mitchell Evans. Yeah, Mitchell uh, has given me a bit of a headache because I don't know where to place him. Is he a potential GP winner? Uh, absolutely. Is he a podium no, guy every weekend? No doubt. Yeah. Is he a top five? Like, I don't really know what... That's his fifth GP. Put that in perspective. That's his fifth GP. His qualifying race on Saturday was the most impressive race of a season for him. Yeah. I, I think he's, he is the real deal. I'm a, I'm a big believer. What is the real deal in your eyes? Like, what does that I mean? Think he's got, I think he's got the, the chance to uh, compete for a championship. Wow. Yeah, 100%. Well, I guess it's tough to argue about that because take Prado out of the mix and... Hello. He's obviously yeah. in that group. Yeah. But Olsen's established himself as the current leader of, but he's clearly mixing it up a bit. I think that's personally why I'm quite excited about Prado because this year it's kind of like this whole... He's, I think he's just going to steamroll the whole, the whole really? series. Yeah. That's a hot take from you. Which, um, which I, you know, I don't... I don't you've like gone it. To, you've gone to four GPs and uh, we put this time into you going to four GPs and the effort like, James, go out there, get some insights for the podcast and you've come back with, I think Prado's going to uh, win this year. Brilliant, thank you. No, thank no. You. I, I, really sorry. glad you flew to Argentina to give that observation. But no, what I was trying to say was I think that he's going to carry on steamrolling the championship and in, in a way, for me, that's boring. But on the flip side of that, it's exciting because he gets to go up next year and then we get to see him being you know, the challenge against seasoned people like Caroli and Hurlins now. So for me, it's kind of like, okay, we, we have to take a little bit of a hit this year on it not being as exciting as, you know, getting new GP winners and all the rest of it, you know, as well it can be next year. Yeah. However, on the flip side of that, we get to see some really cool stuff next year. So I'm just, I'm just throwing that one out there. You're just big on 2020, aren't you? <laughs> just write this year off now. Um, Given their championships and let's move on. I think, I think at the moment, Gertz is the second best rider in MX2. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Big, oh, big you, fan. I think you've said you're a fan of everyone. They're, these riders, though. What's happened to you in the break? You're just a positive fan of everyone now. No, nah, just just come back super positive. I'm, I'm, you know, back to back GPs. No one understands it kills you, and that's without a riding. I'm not a rider. I'm a lover, not a fire. Well, you do realise that, like. Everyone's been doing back-to-back GPs for years. We, yeah, all, know, I, we so, all know it's you that has just learned this. Yeah, I don't recommend it to anybody. It's so tough. Like last year when I was doing back-to-back GPs, or like back-to-back GPs in Indonesia, and you were on my case, like, Lewis, where the hell is this? And I was like, you don't understand, James. That's my job. And you were just like throwing chairs at me. Yeah, that's my job. 
Now you understand. No. I've got a set at home where you choose to go to these exotic places. So you were going I'm just this year. You. I don't know why you say that. You were going to cut your. You were going to do them all this year. I was requested to stay at home to do more important things for the business. So we're going to leave it there. I don't want to talk about it. I was obviously a little bit upset. Benched. I was benched. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. I was benched. Hey, it was a it was a joint decision anyway. It's for the good. It was for the You're good. You're about the bigger picture. Exactly. It's for the good of the company. And you'll and be back else. in Portugal. I'm back in Portugal. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe in get France. You on that plane. Roger Larson's actually um, messaged me today. Hello, Roger from Seven. Great guy. Um, that was the weirdest. Yeah. <laughs> that was so weird. Jesus. <laughs> oh. So uh, Roger's actually messaged me, and we, we've been talking a little bit, and he's he's going to be in France, so that makes me want to go to France. So because Roger's going to France, I'm going to go to France, and. Also on that news, which you probably want to, you wanted to know in the first half, was he has got a one two five rider coming over from America to ride with um, Riva Husfarna. So that's going to be pretty cool. What's his name? We don't know yet. We don't know, or you haven't found that out because I is haven't found that. The thing is, is when uh, obviously I'm talking to Roger about this sort of stuff, and then as soon as I mention your name, then he's just like, I don't want to tell Lewis anything. So. That's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, no, just. Yeah. So um, yeah. So a little bit of news is that um, Riva, who's finally going to have a, an American one two five rider, which could be pretty cool in the MX one two five. Nice, nice. Yeah. So actually, because of that, I might go. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, not sure how we got from Gertz to that, but no. Uh, you were saying I'm a bit of a fan of everything. Oh yeah. And I'm just saying that I'm, I'm positive. No, I think and I think Gertz is the. Um, I'm excited about this weekend. Gertz is the second best rider in MX two at the moment, and he will be the. If anyone is going to beat Prado coming up, it will be him. His improvement is actually astounding. Yeah, it's good. Because he wasn't... Did he you was, talk to him the weekend? No. He was, the, he was an occasional podium guy last year. So where, when you think about like where he's come from to where he is... His rookie year was awesome. He's not, he just kind of shit on my point a bit. But. I bet, oh, sorry about you. Either way, though. Come in that good even, if I shit on it. Even if I know nothing about Mercross. Even if his rookie year was good, which it was, the yeah. step up to where he is now is pretty substantial. Actually, see, now I know nothing about Mercross. Oh, what? Rob, can we put that? Uh, we've done a cool little thing this week, which we wanted people to have a listen to. So maybe we should put that there. And then uh, I don't know what you're talking about. The intro got done. Yeah. Uh, what? What? Why are you? Because it's, uh, it's it's pretty much the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. James went ahead, ran with it himself, and literally it was sprung on me like two seconds before we started this podcast. But if I had known like an hour in advance, I probably would have walked out. I love it. To be honest, I think I should have way more creative freedom than, than I get in a moment. This is what you this is poo poo every idea I have. You give James creative freedom and he comes up with this. Oh, it's fucking brilliant. Like he had a chance, he had an opportunity, and he came up with this. Yeah. There's millions of things better. All I want to say is wait until next week. Okay. So um Can we yeah. go back to racing or no Rob's gonna play that now so people can listen. So we're gonna play that now, Rob. James Burfield and Lewis Phillips with one guy whose hair is receding and knows nothing about motocross, and another guy who is smart, good-looking, talented, and has his finger on the pulse. What did you think of that? What, you see? I, I, you like it? I, I, I think I it's funny. A, oh, I just, what did you call these? Easter eggs. We're, we're no, dropping Easter, Easter eggs Easter, into the podcast. don't know what Easter egg is at all. Yeah. That is, well, well, fuck that it, I is want the it. worst thing I've ever heard on MX5. You can bring life. whatever you want to bring into the, the show. This really? Is, this is my contribution. Okay. So you come up I with might, an idea. I might try and put 30 minutes to the side and see what I can do. Yeah, do it. 
But if you've got 30 minutes to spare, there's probably something better you can be doing well, with your time. That's why I didn't want to say that. But Right, anyway. So, um, Jed Beaton was back in the podium mix. I like Jed. Oh, uh, crashed quite hard in the second race. Took a while to get up. Yeah. I thought, oh, damn. But he got up and he's fine. But a bit beat up. But he'll be ready to go in Portugal. A bit beaten up. And uh, yeah, Portugal was obviously where he was on the podium. That was with, good. Portugal was obviously where he was on the podium with FNH last year. So maybe this is the start of a little run. Although he was much better on Sunday versus Saturday. So I'm not sure how much the mud had to do with it. He is a mud guy. Obviously, don't forget that um, his first podium with HRC was Villa's Sousse Ecot in 2017. Well, he was a film rider, so. Okay. Uh, one of the, thanks for that. And um, I think you've kind of skipped over Laranaga. Yeah, he got fifth. Is that, that's, I thought that was good. Yeah. See, no, what? I'm joking. I just don't Jesus know. Jesus Christ, I expectations. That, no, that is a good result and a surprising that's a result. Good result. But he, was, he, uh, he returned from Broken Collarbone in Trentino and he was already pretty good there. He looked good there. He's got to go up to MXGP next year. That's a good rider. Yeah, but it's kind of a shame that yeah. a late peaker. Yeah. What you call him. Late peaker. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe that could be your porn name. Okay, great. Um, um, right, let's talk about this one because you can't pronounce it ever. Warami. What? Where the hell has that come from? Well, he, he put in a good moto. And yeah. we, we, you've been slating him all year about basically, you know, we expect him to be turning up in like 21st or something with expectations. What? Uh, yeah, know. this was an improvement. He's finally shown something, which is what we've been waiting for, because the first four rounds were terrible. But then, as I said before, I think he was dealing with an injury or something. Still haven't gotten to the bottom of that one. Do you think, like, in life, if your brother kind of got a degree, you'd be like, nah, should have been a doctorate. You're not really getting it, are you? I d- I d- I'm just trying to work out your expectations of, of how people should be. Okay, brilliant. But like you skipped over Bas Fassen, who got... His first top five in two years, I think it was. Well then, Baz. That's a step forward. Yeah. And you can't argue the fact that I've been saying that all along. Yeah. And uh, Tom Vial obviously banks back in the, thir- in the second race. Or third? Yeah, he had a, in the first race, he crashed and Dirk Grubel's assessment was that he scared himself. Dirk Grubel doesn't know what happened, but he <laughs> scared himself with, this, with a little crash or something in the first moto and then didn't really ride like himself. But yeah. Bounced back to get the whole shot from gate 35, I think, in the second race, which yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. And then kind of just did what Tom Vial does, which is drop back two spots, three spots, and then just hold his ground. Yeah. But that's not going to happen next year. He's not going to be dropping <laughs> uh, back. Well, this is literally a 2020 preview podcast. Like, Jesus. Well, just saying. But Vial, in that crash on Saturday, uh, injured his knee. Basically... If you go to these foreign countries, they're very keen to put you on a stretcher, no matter what the injury is. Yeah. Like, love if, a stretcher. If you've broken your finger, you're going on a stretcher. <laughs> like, so, so Tom Vial crashed in the qualifying race, got put on a stretcher, which immediately made me go, oh no. Yeah. Turns out he told them he was fine to walk. Are they just like a stretcher? Just like a stretcher. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so he, right. he banged up his knee, but apparently that was fine on race day, and also his thumb, which was apparently worse than the knee and a bit, like, blown up on a Sunday morning, but nothing too serious. I'm guessing, I guess, who knows, maybe they'll find something at some point, but it doesn't sound like anything anyone's worried about, and he'll be uh, ready to go in Portugal. So, do you want to talk about Dylan Walsh now, or do you want to talk about the Brits? Let's do Dylan Walsh. Okay, go. 
It's good. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, For someone who wasn't there, tell me why I should be excited. Uh, third in free practice. Okay. Fifth in the second moto. Yeah. There you go. Right, okay. I say I'm all about sex times and lap times. I've, I can sex times? Sector times. I oh, can sector also times. Give, I can also give you cold hard facts, such as these results. But, again, everyone forgets, Tushin told last year with the Diga team, I think he was eighth in an MX2 race. I think it was a qualifying race or something, but he was top 10 guy, so he can be that. And you'd think Portugal and France would be really good tracks for him, so I think he should start pushing the top 10 or top 5 coming up. Well, I guess he's already done that in the second moto, but consistently anyway. I do think he will be one to watch for the future. But I think people are going to start looking at him and realising that there's some untapped potential there. I am laughing. Why? I can't help it, but if you, are you growing a moustache? You're literally terrible on this podcast. You, all you've done is chat shit non-stop. No, are you growing a moustache? I was busy. What? So you, <laughs> you, forgot, to, you forgot to shave your moustache? It looks good. Where are we going this week? Portuguese. You could get away with being Portuguese this week, I think, without a moustache. You look like a, a little Portuguese farmer. Well, not little because you're quite tall, but... Dylan Walsh doesn't, isn't getting the credit he deserves because of you just doing this. Oh, I, I can't take my nose off it now. It is fucking brilliant. Can you please grow it for this weekend? Either way, Dylan Walsh, fifth in the second moto, bloody good ride. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the podium by the end of the season. I genuinely think it could happen. Could you grow a handlebar? I genuinely think Dylan Walsh could be on a podium by the end of the season. Okay. And I, that would not surprise me. I would not be bowled over by that. So, yeah. Mm. Cool. It's kind of what I see from him. I can't. <laughs> I don't know where I'm like, I concentrate. Yes. It's amazing. Uh, right. Um, okay. Ben and Adam, just what happened? I, I think... You know, I expected them to be in that weather, signs of, I got to say, it, I expected top three. I feel like from were... my barbecue, where the sun was coming down and you know, eating sausages and burgers, it was really good. Just expected. A little bit more? Did they expect a little bit more? Were they disappointed? Wow, he just chucked a very chatty on this podcast. You were... <laughs> it's because I, I wasn't there. I want to no, know. Okay. I want to know. Um, Same as people at home weirdly, I expect want to know. Really, Ben and Adam were like locked together all day. Every time I saw them, they were either following, like Ben was following Adam or Adam was following Ben. It's kind of a throwback to like 2014 British Championship. But um, I know Ben spun on the great in the first race and was so far behind going into the first turn that I actually looked at the start straight, saw everyone, and then him. Okay. So I was like, oh, bad start. Yeah. And then he hit the gate in the second race. Adam crashed in the first turn in the second race? No, first turn in the first race. I was at the first race, was it? Can't remember what, can't remember if he crashed in the second race as well, where he obviously must have. I don't know. I've seen, the first, I've seen him piled up in the first turn with a few Yeah, that riders. was the first race. Yeah, that was with Olsen. And yeah, and Jacoby. And yeah, because Olsen come Blandery. through really well. Yeah. Better than anyone else all day, I'd say. You're massively better because I think I think Evans, uh, Starry, and a few others went down, and they sort of came up to what was it, twelfth, thirteenth, yeah, around now, something like that. But man, but Olsen managed to come through. What did Olsen get in the end? What in the first race? Yeah, sixth, sixth. Yeah, that's a Which, great result. Not to shit on your point, but he was only two positions ahead of Evans. Okay, yeah. Well, both of them come through really well then, yeah. compared to to other people around them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which as didn't shit on my point. No, by the way. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, El um, so, so Ben uh, spun on the grate, then hit the gate, and then had a clutch problem in the second race. So nursed it home. And then I think crashed a couple of times in the first race. So yeah, that's that. And then Adam crashed a fair few times, I think, including a first turn crash, which round there was just nothing you can do at that point. Yeah. 
And I think Vlanderen got caught but, up in that crash as well. Yeah. But and it's like you say, oh, I expected them to do better. Same as Simpson. It wasn't mud like, okay, I'm going to stop on a straight. I've got an absolute mess in front of me. Where should I go? It was just kind of a plod along start. Well, this is good. I wasn't there. This is good for you explaining to me and everybody else at home because obviously I'm just not the only person with expectations. It wasn't a quagmire. But if, if I'm not there, I don't know what it was, okay. it was like. It wasn't like... In, like it's like I've said it a million times now, but if it was hard pack, it would have been like Indonesia 2017. Yeah. It wasn't. Which it is was, just like chocolate, literally just a field full of chocolate. Which, which is basically stop, pick a line, open a throttle and hope for the best. Yeah. This was just kind of a slow plod along race. Really? Like, because there were lines. The people were, didn't look like they were going slow. No, you know what I mean. Don't, you know what I mean. Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> just, you know what I mean. Is there anybody else you'd like to talk about? Uh, Vlandering started riding, I think he rode twice before Mantova. Because he had an operation as well. Yeah, uh, fractured his uh, fibula. Uh, so, yeah. Fibula? Or is it fibia? Tibia and fibula. Fibula. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think he broke his leg, did he? No, fractured his fibula. He fractured his fibula. Yeah, fib- okay. fibula. Fibula. Fibula, yeah. Wow, this is off the rails. <laughs> um, God. Morgan Lesio, Morgan Lesiardo did something for the first time this year. Really? Yep. Well, fair play. Ninth in the first race. Yeah. Which is a massive improvement from where he's at because similar to what I said about Bogers, I was ready to give up on him. What about your uh, your part of the the, the fan club, uh, Harrop? I didn't notice him to be honest. He picked up nine points. That's a big improvement over the first couple of rounds, but yeah, not. Have you just forgot about him? Have you discarded no, him now? Not one of his... Not one of his... Because at the start of the season, you and yes. Antti were having a conversation in Hawkstone about how you pick him to be... Yep. He's definitely podium this year. That was your... Uh, that yeah. was what you said. I don't know if you know this, but he broke his collarbone and he's just coming back from that, so it's going to be a building process. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, just just reminding you. Yeah, podium. Uh, Jacoby had a bike problem, I think, in the second race, so he lost a fair few points and kind of broke his streak of third, fourth, fifth overall. Yeah, it's just a bad day. And let's talk about Mitchell Harrison. That's got to be an eye-opener this weekend. I, I don't really know what happened. It was just insanely quiet. Like, even when it was dry, just nothing really happened. And I don't really know... I mean, it was sand, but then I've seen some of the tracks that he was riding at in a break, and they were like Lommel sand. Yeah. And this wasn't like... I spoke and, to Austin Root. Austin Root tested there like three weeks before the GP. And he said it's quite an American track in the fact that Hard base, loose on top, bit jumpy. Obviously, Sunday was nothing like that. But Not very sat- jumpy. But Saturday was dry. It was. Just, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it was sand, so whatever. But I kind of thought it'd be a good track for him. But I always put Portugal down if it's dry as a track where not very European track. So I think a lot of riders can do well there, like Harrison. What about Sinai? What do we know about Sinai? Sinai is just no different. Still, he Epstein. trained. He trained for the first time uh, in Holland the week before Mantua. Yeah, but uh, okay. Um, he said he felt okay in training, but then for some reason, when he gets to the races, he just gets this same lethargic feel, feeling, and he doesn't know whether it's the traveling or anything. But he feels. I get that with cheese toasties. He said he feels okay in training, but it just doesn't. For some reason, the same feeling doesn't come to the race. And don't get me wrong; it's not like he feels a hundred percent in training, but he feels like a bit of progress has been made. Mm-hmm. but for some reason that isn't that when he gets to the races he just feels terrible again but he kind of said a similar thing to me on a Sunday night as he did at Mat- uh, Matley where it's a case of just figuring out what the best thing to do is moving forward whether you 
continue fighting through it. You miss a couple of rounds, you forget about it, whatever. Oh. So more well, unknowns than knowns in that camp. Biggest mystery for me this weekend. I need to know what happened. Oh, God. Forato. I expected that guy to be like a tractor out there. What happened, El Diablo? I can't remember. I think he had a bike problem in one of the races. Yeah. But his English isn't amazing, so... You've not done the podcast yet? I have once. Okay, how did that go? Uh, he's getting better. I first spoke to him in 2017, but... When did you get Lorenzo to do podcast with him? What, on MXLife.it? Yeah. Yeah, I think he did have bike problems, from what I remember. Because he was up there at one point. But yeah, I haven't got much to give you on that, I'm afraid. Brilliant. Thanks for that. It's really good that we spent all that money sending you there <laughs> to come back with shit all. Yeah. Uh, and uh, finally on MX2, a bit of a tip for everyone. Rene Hoffer? No. Okay. Uh, he's injured. I can't... Uh, what was it? He, he's injured. But anyway, back to what I was going to say. Right, okay. Um, so everyone's going to listen to the post-race podcast, Crowley, Prado, Watson, Sell, be all over those. Yeah. At the end of the podcast, there's one with Van Donick. Yeah. Actually quite good. And I know a lot of people would probably not bother listening to it, but it's worth listening to it. Okay, well, uh, for those like myself who may have or may not have listened to the podcast, um, what's so good about it? Well, he's got a bit of a bromance going on with Rubini, his teammate. So the last what, question... What do you mean by bromance? Like, they're quite good mates. But oh, quite okay. good mates. Right. So um, I, said to him, <laughs> I said to him, oh, yeah, how's the team? Because the first time I spoke to him this year, I said, like, how's it going with the team? And all of that, it seems like you're gelling quite well. And obviously, you're getting on well with your teammate, Stephen. And he said, uh, I was. He um, took me out in qualifying. And then we started having a bit of a slam fest, break checking each other. And then I crashed and hurt my wrist trying to go after him. And I was like, oh, didn't oh. expect that to come out. So then we were having a right old laugh. And, I, and so I said to him, like, oh, you might want to watch out when you go cycle because they train together. I said, you might want to watch out when you go cycling with him this week because he might brake check you at some traffic lights and try to like injure you. Yeah. And then we were having a right old laugh about it. So it's that, but I feel like this is one of my goals. I don't think I'm going to listen to it. I well, don't I, think you sold it very well. I haven't. I can't tell. If I, I can't. <laughs> what, you want me to have a two sided conversation by myself? Well, no, I just expected something else than, than one minute they're hugging each other and now they're trying to. It's just a fact. I was just quite funny. Um, Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> no, Just it's a good, it's a good interview. Podcast. And obviously he's riding with a torn ACL. But, um, and he had bike problems, I think, in uh, Mantua. But um, one of my goals, and it's always been my goal, is people like Van Donick you don't hear from. Yeah. So I want to kind of bring those people out a bit so that people, so that fans can latch onto them a bit more than they could before. Yeah. Don't ignore the Van Donick interview because I think if you listen to it, you might become a new fan or you might follow him a little bit more or something like that. So will we be getting maybe like a, a conversation with Hampus Corral next week or Marcel Conyon who... Oh, Marcel Conyon. Conyon. C-O-N-I-J-N. No, yeah. I spell it, don't know how to say it. Uh, Goggle Lane. <laughs> so the first moto... <laughs> I don't know how I could just like pick some random names and you've actually got a fucking story. So first moto, was it the first? I think it was the first moto. He pulled into the Goggle Lane, yeah. all frantic, pulled in, sat there, Looked around with no goggles on. None of his team were there. <laughs> Looked around with the most confused look on his face, absolutely drenched. Looked around, shrugged his shoulders, put it into gear. And then the second he went to ride off, someone else came flying past him in the goggle lane, threw a massive puddle and splashed him even more in his eyes. And he went off without any goggles. <laughs> 
I, in the first moto, I was like, because it was quite. How hard did to, you not catch this on film? It was quite. It was cool. quite hard to get near the goal lane for me. Yeah. So in the first moto, I was like, okay, nothing's happening. I'm going to take three minutes off tweeting and go and just watch the goal lane for a second. <laughs> and I literally got there, saw that, and was like. I've seen enough. <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> I've got what I needed. Yeah. So that was funny. That's a great story. I, I like guess that. we should talk about the goggle lane quickly. Yeah. You've yeah. redeemed yourself, actually. The money intended you there just for that story. I like yeah. it. Um, yeah. I guess I should talk about the goggle lane. Yeah, because it's the first time we've really seen it being yeah. used, yeah? So, um... What's the deal with it? I mean, can you just go in there once or any no, time you want? you want. Okay. What? You think they're going to say, yep, you've used the goggle lane once. Oh, oh, but please, See, sir, this my is... eyes are burning. Nope, sorry, you've used it once. Can't let you in again. No, that could be like the Joker lane. No, it's not a game. Supercross. No, it's a goal. It's fair for safety. I tell you what, any brands listening out there, Scott, 100%, whatever, I've got a little idea. Sponsor it? No. Well, good idea. Yeah, I like I was that. thinking that at the weekend, like the yeah. 100% goggle lane. Yeah. Makes sense. Like that. But then maybe other brands might just not say, well, you can't go in there because it's 100%. Again, what are they going to say? Oh, please, my <laughs> no, eyes but, are burning. Anyway. Oh, sorry. Anyway, my idea would be it's a great opportunity to like showcase your goggles. So every time you go in there, maybe get a rider to go in there like 10 times in a race. Oh. And each time you can just change your goggles and you can get a lot more exposure there. I've got a lot, to say, I've got a lot to say about the goggle lane, so I'll fire through it quite quickly. Yep, track um, on. So obviously whenever something like that gets introduced, you're like, what's the point? Because mm-hmm. on a dry race, you look at it and you're like, that's pointless. No one's going to want to use that. Like, and we saw that. Uh, I've got a funny little thing. No, right? let me finish because okay. you keep interrupting me with terribleness. Um, well, this one's so, actually... So, so, the mud race was obviously the first time we probably saw it used and it is possibly one of the best ideas yeah. I've seen in a long time. Like, it makes such a big difference. It's, I, I originally didn't think it was going to be any faster going through pit lane and getting goggles, but it really was, like, insanely faster. When your mechanics are there with goggles, it helps, obviously. Yeah, amazing idea. It's going to save some riders. I, I do think it will make more riders think about pitting for goggles when they wouldn't otherwise. But um, amazing stuff. Now, second point. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm taking a photo of you so everybody else can see your moustache. Because people don't no, appreciate don't, don't, El Diablo. No, don't. I was actually thinking that you could get a little no, table don't. in Goggle Lane and actually sell, sell the goggles. Anyway, so that was, my, that was my first point, not that you listened to it. Yeah. Um, second one, said. in warm-up, Caroli tested the goggle lane. Yep. Turns out, Prado did as well, and they had a game. Like, someone was timing them, whoever could do it the quickest. Okay. Um, Caroli did it very quick. Prado did it very slow and stalled his bike. So Caroli won that one going away. <laughs> cool. Caroli told that story better than me. Okay. So listen to the post-race podcast, because Caroli says it quite funny. Okay. I... Clearly don't. And that's all I've got for MX2 and on the goggle lane. Brilliant. That's fantastic. You really do. I feel like you're just disappointed with everything I've said in the MX2 portion. No, I'm, 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 I think this is the best section ever. That's a lie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, on that note, let's, uh, let's have a, a five-minute break, put the efforts on, and um, we'll be back to talk about uh, questions and MX Manager. The MX5 For everything in the world of motocross, head to mxvice.com at Motocross Vice on Twitter and search MX Vice on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. All content is now available in Spanish and Italian. The MX Vice Show. My favourite part of the show, the end part. Um, this is James Burfield and I'm here with El Diablo, who's the editor of MX Vice. I like how you're introducing yourself after two hours of show. 
Because they're probably bored shitless. They <laughs> well, know that I you just your name. waffle on for You've the waffled first. more than me this show. You've said a lot more than me, which is surprising considering you didn't go to the race. <laughs> 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 I think what I've realised is actually doing three GPs back-to-back, like Volkanswar, Trentino and Matley, really did kill you. Yeah, I got bored. Hence why you were so like sad in the podcast. Yeah, I just slipped into a coma for about four weeks. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk... Swift end, swift end. What do you want to do first? MX Manager or do you want to do... Uh, we'll do art questions because some people don't play fantasy so they want okay. us to leave it right to you. Okay. Am I allowed to make up questions or are we just going from your list? Going from my list. Okay. Okay. Question number one. At Jamnick Philip on Twitter asks, who will be the first to win a GP except Carolian Geyser? Uh on. No, Herlins. Okay. So you think he's going to come back and win? Yes. No, even if he doesn't come back and win straight away, he'll be the next rider rather than those two to win a GP. Okay. That's good. We've got two um, different answers. I like that. And also, we didn't really cover it, but um, a lot of people thought Herlins would return at Mantova. Well, and why hasn't he? Uh, he started riding the Sunday before Mantova, and at the moment, he's riding every other day. So Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, get up the drift. That's quite a lot of riding, though. Every other day. That's a lot, still less than... And obviously, he's not pushing. Mm-hmm. But um, they don't want, now they don't want him to come back and finish like 15th. So they're just going to let him be ready. Portugal's a no-go. France isn't off the table, mm-hmm. but Russia definitely. And there's actually, I think there's a Dutch championship between France and Russia, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him there. Yeah, okay. But yeah, that's the story. And Fevre is obviously back this weekend. Okay. And he's just going to, whatever. Yeah, he's just going to build himself back up, which is what Hurlings will do. I doubt Hurlings will be able to win straight away, but then it's Hurlings, so who knows? Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> who knows, really? really? Like, he could quite easily win by 40 seconds. <laughs> who knows? Okay. Uh, question two, but from Colin Dory. Uh, was Bernardini- I like Colin, he's from Sweden. Okay. Well, he's actually from the UK, but lives in Sweden. Just saying. Was Bernardini's 12th in race two the most impressive ride of the season so far? I think so. And he thinks so, not I. Okay. I think so, meaning him. I didn't know he's racing. Are you serious? Please don't. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, um, Joke. Similar to the Bogus and who's the other rider I put in that category? I was ready to give up thinking it was over. Yeah. But he was actually quite good all weekend at Mantua. At one point, actually, there was a, I think, Tommy, Leop, Bernardini, and someone else battling. And I just was watching it like, what a... Oh, Brylaikov was the other rider. And I was just watching it like, what a random group of riders to be battling. Like, who would have ever thought we'd, I'd be stood in Italy in the rain watching Tommy, Bernardini, Brylaikov, and Leok. Like, all very different stages of their career battling out. Who knew? But uh, no, uh, Bernardini's 12th wasn't the most impressive ride of the season. It was okay, though. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Okay, it's a bit harsh. It was good. (laughs) Um, Again, high expectations. Phil Malins. Oh, he told me how to pronounce it. Malins or Malins? Malins. Yeah. Malins. Phil Malins. Yeah. I think. You're never going to get that right. 50-50. I'm just rolling the dice. Uh, Phil Malins asked, will James Burfield attend another GP this season? Yes. Phil, I'm back this weekend. And France? There's a good chance I'm going to France because Roger's going. Uh, you're not going to do Russia. You're not going to do Latvia. I'm not going to go to Russia just because of the whole visa process. It's, I, I travel in between races because I've got this thing called a job and it requires me to go to Sweden and, and other places. So as well as I do this with you, I actually do oh, other work. okay. Uh, yeah. Latvia? No. I might go to Latvia. Oh, you actually. <laughs> I don't know. You, you gave me a list. After, after the Trentino, you gave me a list of GPs you wouldn't, you've decided not to do. Okay. Latvia was on there, so you need to tell me because I need to rebook your room. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not there. 
let, let, I think we just let, let's get to France and okay. see where we are. Um, so that answers Phil's question. Yeah. Uh, Colin Dory again on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> At CR Dory is his Twitter tag. Have we only got two followers? No. Okay. <laughs> Listening to uh, Tommy in a couple of your podcasts, he, my podcast, obviously, not yours because yeah. you don't do much. Well, I do. Actually, the best podcast ever was when uh, Tommy and myself sat down okay. in the press room. Uh, listen, yeah. Uh, one Hit Wonder because you haven't done much since. I uh, don't need to. You just go out on top. Okay. Uh, listening to Tommy in a couple of your podcasts, he gives the impression things aren't great with his team. Why wasn't he testing with them during the long break? I'll cover that because didn't I did the interview? Yeah, but are you actually going to ask um, Boss why the reason they chose to take Porcel and not Tommy? I can do that. I think you should. I think okay. it's, a, it's a good question. But um, do your job, maybe. There are a lot. Of, there are questions, obviously, about why that was done. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like there are many answers at the moment. Well, because you asked him. Okay. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like Tommy knows. It doesn't seem like anyone really knows why that was done. But Tommy said in the interview that he thinks, I think I already said it, but he, the, thing, the ideal thing to do would have been for him to go to France and test, which is what he wanted to do. Yeah. So that kind of gives you an indication of what he wanted and what he was trying to achieve. And obviously that didn't happen. So make of that what you will. He's got a new sentence for Portugal, so hopefully it gets better. At, oh, you got something to say? No. Well, I, 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 boss, all I boss would... are more than just a team, everyone needs to remember. They are a suspension company. Yeah. And Porcel has previously done um, testing for the suspension company. So I wonder if rather than they were taking Porcel to test for the team, they chose to just have him test generally. Yeah, products. Yeah, yeah. just to give insight on what... I don't know. Maybe I'm... Well, one thing which I would say is, I mean, how much of a hindrance is it being in a different country to your team? I don't know, it's only France. I'm just saying. I could, if, if you told me I need to go to France like by 7pm, I'd probably be able to make it. No. Okay. Playing devil's advocate. Okay. Just um, trying to have a conversation with you. Oh, sorry. But carry on. Uh, no, Next what, question. Okay, sorry. Um, at, <laughs> <laughs> um, at Dab on M Folk. What? Da, at Dab on M Folk on Twitter. <laughs> Asks, is Bogus second place for most surprising results so far? Yeah. Van Horvick fucking... podium, Monticelli being regularly top five, Evans being a podium guy, being other surprises. Yeah, I, did, I didn't see him recording the second. I don't know, because it's mud though. I don't know if I'd say it's the biggest surprise. Of course it is. We all know try, anything. Try saying that in Brian Bogus finishing second. Okay, I'm glad you said that. At the beginning of the year, try saying Monticelli's going to battle for podiums. Yeah, okay. But... <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, okay. I always say this, yeah. expectations I, I've progress. Got, I've got no argument. Expectations progress quite quickly. Yeah. And I think everyone's now forgetting where Monticelli came from. Like, last year he was riding for JK Yamaha and hovering just around points. Yeah. This is insane. Van Horbeek podium was a surprise, but not really compared to Monticelli and Bogus. Bogus is a close second, though. Yeah. Well, funny um, enough, he finished that. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Chris United 93 on Twitter asked, with solid performances... Will Pooches and Muse get factory contract talks for 2020 or are they both respectively better off at smaller, more family atmospheric teams? Although due to injury and other, inju- other issues, they both struggled in a factory setup early. Good question. Good. Really good question, yeah. Might be my favourite question this week. Okay. Um, Does he win a prize? I think we should give him a prize. Can, yeah. we, can, we do, can we do question of the week wins a prize? I like that. I like that. Let's do it. Production meetings live on the air. I tell you what, 
Um, he, he wins the loading ramp. Well, sorry for everyone that was going to retweet, but no, 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 no. We'll, we'll, we'll let's let's get. A oh, let's let's. He, he asked about Muse. We still have some signed prints left over. Send him a signed print. Do you want Chris? Do you want a signed print from Condor from Reeves? Oh yes, please. <laughs> oh dear, blow that'd be brilliant. Okay, let's do that. Chris, can you message us on Twitter because we're probably going to forget. <laughs> uh, um, okay, okay, you. I'm running with no, it. No, uh, comrades. No, I, Comrade I, signed a two-year deal with Hitachi at the end of how, last year. How do you say but, fucking go? Because I realise that you wouldn't. I realise that you wouldn't know that. So, Comrade signed a two-year deal with Hitachi at the end of last year, so he's locked in for next year. Okay, I do think. But the question is not. The question is, would he be better on a? No, the a, question is, will Muse get factory contract talks for 2020? The okay. answer is no, because no, he's already no. got a contract. Okay. Although, but I do agree. I think Muse is better off in a smaller, more family atmospheric team. Yeah, I think he like needs Hitachi. people around him who can look after him and guide him and tell him everything's going to be good. I think that Hitachi suits him well from everything I've seen. Got a good mechanic. Yeah, BC's awesome. Yeah, I think that helps. I think everything's good. Yeah. Uh, Pooches, I think people will start. The biggest thing with Pooches will be if he makes it through the season healthy. Similar to Dean Wilson in a way. I don't think people aren't... First of all, this, is the end, this year will mark the end of his five-year contract with KTM. Mm-hmm. so he's open like Dean Wilson I don't think people's question with Pooches is whether he's fast or whether he can do the job I think it's whether he can stay healthy so I think that's what he's got to prove in order to get quote unquote better ride for next year right but I think for people will start knocking on the door especially with certain people moving up yeah. um, like I said I could really see him at FNH next year obviously Sterry's going up Jacoby's going up uh, Moost- Van Moostick is on a three year deal I think so he'll be in MX2 next year I could so see him taking that second spot. Yeah. If he already trains with Deruva, it fits perfect. Yeah. But then, and, is there going to be other people on the market they could get? Probably not. Like, I can't really think of anyone else who would be a better choice, maybe. So yeah, I could see Pooches moving there, but Pooches is definitely going to get some talks, I think. Muse, not so much, because, um, yeah, he's got a contract. So, yeah, thanks, Chris, and congratulations on your signed print from Conrad Muse. There we go. Nice. I love uh, that. Moving on to Instagram, Daily Moto Media. Yeah, on Instagram. Okay. Asked if Prado wins and is out of MX2, does he move up to MXGP or move over to the USA? Uh, I think he's quite happy in the whole Caroli thing, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I've said it a million times. Tushintol last year, so June last year, I asked him about the whole America thing, and he said, "I've kind of forgotten about that. I'm excited to eventually move up to a 450 with the Takali team." I think that's everything we need to know. Yeah. Although, when I interviewed him in November, I asked him again, and he said he hasn't completely given up on the America thing because he does love Supercross. Okay, so... But out of those two comments, I would say he weighed more heavily on the factor of staying with Dakali and moving to a 450 one day. Well, this is interesting. This is an interesting uh, idea. How about just... Let's just go with it. Please don't argue with me. Okay? Wins the World Championship this year. Goes up, somehow finds it to beat Hurlins and Caroli next year and wins the world championship in MXGP in 2020. At that point, he's won everything. He's done everything. So at the end of 2020, just say that, you know, for the sake of this, he's won the world championship in 2020. Does he then look at the USA? That's just so hypothetical. I know, but it's fun. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, it's Lewis, almost this is supposed to be goddamn fun. It's almost unrealistic. But um, You're like the person who just comes along. You're having a good time. 
your drinks are flowing and you're like, oh, that's not healthy for you. That's such... That, <laughs> I can't... Oh, that's it. The band is splitting up. <laughs> well, it's only taken that. I think he stays in MXGP. Okay, you don't see him going to the... Although, year. maybe KTM do something because say Crowley stays on and obviously they've got Hurlins, they've got an MXGP team. In America... Out of, out of MXGP, MX2, American 450, and American 250, American 250 is the biggest hole in their program. So I wonder if a higher-up say he could be an answer to the questions resolving around how we win a title in the 250 class in America. What, what are their other options in America? Well, at the moment, they've got Shane McArath, Jordan Smith, Sean Cantrell, Mitchell Falk, and I think that's it. Maybe one more rider uh, off the top of my head. I can't remember. But McArath's staying down. For next year, so he's a supercross contender. I presume Jordan Smith will stay on. I think Sean Cantrell's leaving, and Mitchell Falk just it's his rookie year, so I think so. He'll be um around next year as well. Okay, but none of those riders are sure bets for a title or race wins. Any talk of um other riders in talks with KTM? No, that's, that's just pure. I'm purely speculating here. Okay, but it would make sense depending on how badly they want to win a 250 title in America. Additionally, Caroli will eventually move on. So maybe they look at Prado and say, you stay here in Dakali because once Crowley goes, we're going to need someone other than Hurlins in this class who can win. Yeah. So there's a lot of hypotheticals there and a lot of questions that kind of make it interesting. Yeah. Next question. Yeah. From at Juan Pablo Bilata on Instagram. I bet he's interested in MX5 Spain. I bet he could be with his name Juan. Um, Ica Laranaga has fully proved in a lot of races that he deserves that he deserves an official position on a prominent MXGP team. What is your view and perspective on it? Okay, I think it's, it's an exciting talent in MXGP. I think um, I think he's shown that he can he can be there. Why not? I. It's going to be a um, prove that he deserves a proper position on an official MXGP team. Yes, proving that he deserves a position over Guio. And the other riders who are going to struggle to lock down a position? No. No. I could see him still on one of the smaller teams. Maybe Marquette, Marchetti obviously did MXGP with um, Boutron for the longest time. Yeah. Maybe they keep him on and push him up. But um, Marchetti in Mantova, sorry, forgot where I was. <laughs> um, oh, uh, Marchetti in Mantova had like the biggest hospitality lorry you've ever seen. Not, and it wasn't like another team truck. It was like a full-blown, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, it was like a proper just hospitality truck, not an awning. Right. And it just, it was plain white with just little Marchetti stickers on it all over. Yeah. Like, where the hell has that come from? Well, they've obviously hired it. No, but is that team bigger than, like, Italian team, obviously, but is that team bigger than we realise, or? I don't know if they're, um, if, I don't know if they're bigger, but um, uh, I would say that probably they, they have got a following in Italy. and. Um, they used that hospitality for that weekend. I don't think that's a, a shocker. No, no I, okay. I don't think I'm really conveying just how big this hospitality truck was. Oh, okay. But either way, it yeah. was because, like, uh, like Asamoto have a hospitality truck. It's just another copy and paste of their team truck right. with an awning with chairs under it. Okay. This was very much an inside hospitality truck. Yeah, they obviously rented it for a week. Yes, I'm well aware of how that works. I'm well aware they didn't steal it. <laughs> I just don't, I don't know where you're going with this. It's fucking rented. I just felt like for a team of that level, it was quite a big statement or step, um, step up. Well, if you look at it from a marketing point of view, that was a great opportunity in getting more sponsors on board for next year. Exactly. 
I just feel like it, I just feel like good on them for having something of that magnitude. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's um, great, great, great work, well done. Uh, have we covered Juan's question? I think so. No, not really. I don't think you've, <laughs> you've covered it. You went off on a tangent. Just making no, up no, shit. we did, we did. Um, okay, and then finally for the Ask Vice Anything segment this week from yeah. Instagram as well. And the most... well, actually, let's go back to Lara and I. So, what what teams are out there? I mean, we we've talked about JWRs coming. You know, you know, we don't know what they're doing next year. There's JWR, there's what other MSGP teams would be good for um where would be a good fit or what opportunities could arise next year for, for someone like Naranaga? I think the best place that he could possibly get is if Marchetti chose to take him into MSGP. What in booted Boutron? Boutron isn't on that team anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought you just told me he was. No, I said he used he was he did MXGP with Marchetti for the longest time. What was the one with the leopard drink? That's Marchetti, but they okay. don't have Leopard anymore. Okay. No, I know they don't have got Leopard, but yeah. That's just, why I said what was Boutron, the one he used to have, just Leopard, in case you, not better. Okay, it, as soon as you didn't know, Boutron no longer rode for Marchetti. How's, how did Boutron do at Mantua? D- did he even ride? You tell me. No, he's injured. What's he injured? Uh, his ankle. I know he had a six and a half hour operation, which is never a good no, sign. No, it, it, it is a bad So I think injury. he's out for the, well, definitely yeah. out for the season, but he said he will be back. So Yeah, so if they need another rider, then Willow's on... That- I don't know if that team would get a fill-in. No. But anyway, uh, final question on Instagram. Didn't they sign him quite late in the season last year? No. What? Boutron. I think they did, yeah. I forget how to pronounce the team's name. It's a real complicated Oh, this one. would be fun. <laughs> Let me find it. Can you um, come in next week with a poncho on? Nope. That'd be fucking mint. Okay. What about a big, big writes, sombrero and a poncho? He writes for JD Gunnick's KTM. Right. So. Yeah. They have uh, Richard Sequina in MX2 Sorry, so and, another, and another MX2 rider. Yeah. Previ- like, this is their first... Really important, I can't remember. This, <laughs> this is their first <laughs> step into, like, a big... Can oh, do- Petter Polak. That said, other MX2 okay, rider. Yeah. You can do a podcast? No. Oh, so this did. is their first step up into... A bit elite, this is their best. This is their first step up into having a proper international talent. Oh, if you're not in Lewis's so, fan club, you're not going to get a post-race podcast. So this is their first... Boutron is their first step up. In, they're a Czech team. So Boutron is their first step up into having a proper international talent. So I, can, I can't see them needing or wanting to chase someone like Guillo to fill in. Yeah. That's all I was saying. Anyway... Finally, on to the final question. Are you done interrupting me or not? <laughs> yeah, it's fun though. Green underscore Zeka Green underscore Ezekiel Green on Instagram asks, will Vlanderin stay with HRC next year when he moves up to the MXGP class? Uh, I'd say it's an option. I think it's an option. Yeah. I don't, see why, I don't think, see why they wouldn't consider him. You're going to presume that bogus spot is open. Yeah. So I, I, def- I think it's... I'm sure they're probably looking around for the best deal at the moment, but... I could definitely see him staying on Honda. And you can see, I could see Honda wanting to invest in someone that young just starting in MXGP. And like we've said, Vlandering is suited to a 450 and everything. So, yeah, he'll be very good on I could see him being a very good uh, support rider to Geyser or second rider to Geyser or whatever you want to call it. And I think he'd do very well next year as well. Yeah. So that concludes Ask Vice Anything. Cool. Right. Finally, last last part of the show MX Manager. Yeah. And you've done this lovely little spreadsheet. Yep. So we've got a red, which means down. We've got an, an S yellow, which is same. And we've got a green little bar here for, what's you for? Up. Oh, up. Yeah. So I don't know why that's not clear to me. I don't know. It looks like there's like a, 
it's it like a, someone's just dropped a load of Bertie Bassett's uh, on my laptop and then just put random letters on there. Um, so looks really clear. Pri- so prices changed for the first time for Mantua. Yeah. Some people didn't realize they had changed. I'm sorry. We've mentioned it on podcasts, Instagram stories, Instagram posts, Facebook posts, Twitter posts, articles. I'm sorry. We talked about it all year as well, to be fair. Yeah, we said after Argentina, this is happening. And this but, was the new MX manager. The fact that last year was kind of like, you know, people forgot they had a team. Yeah. So the big, the thing I want to emphasize though is scores were very low at Mantua because of the mud. Well, I'm glad about that because my team was okay. fucking brilliant. If you missed, if you didn't score any points in Mantua, it isn't the end of the world. Trust me, it isn't the end of the world. Like you can easily make up ground. So don't give up. You can do it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm sure you've looked over the prices extensively. Um, oh, yeah. I spent a lot of time. MXGP, who would be your pick for Aguada? Actually, should we start with results from Mantua? Uh, no. Quickly? No. I'm, okay. So, I'm kind of bored of Mantua now. Someone asked me um, on Twitter to share my team, but I didn't have time. Yeah. So my team for, Man- for Mantua was Pooches. Like I said, I knew he'd be on a podium in the mud. Yeah. Blandering. Kind of screwed me with the um, first motor crash, but right. Uh, DeSalle, solid, and Leoc, who screwed me with a second motor crash. And then I had Yamaha as a manufacturer and SM Action as a team. Uh, I scored 108 points. I was 205th for round five. And overall, I am now 94th. So, yeah, not bad, not great. I'm actually somehow, I actually moved up even though I scored terribly, but I think it seems like everyone who was doing well did terrible, so it's a bit of a mismatch. I'm just looking at your spreadsheet, so um, Bobrashev, is he back? No, uh, France. Okay, so why is he on the prices? Because he's ready. Okay. So there's a few few riders here which are not going to be, maybe we should discuss that, so what riders are not going to be? Herlins, Bobrashev. That's it. Everyone else who's on MX Manager will pretty much... Nagel? Not sure yet. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm trying to chase up on Nagel because I thought he was going to return at Mantova, but he obviously didn't. Okay. So for me, I mean, I'm instantly drawn to Soro at 200,000. That's not a bad investment. He was the same price as that. That was the same price he was at Mantova. Why weren't you drawn to him for that? Because everybody else's price has gone up, okay. dickhead. He's doing well. But obviously, I'm looking for a bargain. I'm trying to get my four riders on my team. So I think Cyril's quite good. And given what we've been talking about with Anstey, then I think, um, you know, I know Anstey's the same as well. But Anstey at 250,000 would be a better bet than, say, somebody like uh, Van Horbeek or Monticelli. Yeah, I was undecided whether to keep Anstey at the same price or push his price up because, yeah. um, obviously, first moto was amazing. Mm-hmm. But because he didn't score in the second race. I feel like he's still a risk until he puts two motos together. Yeah. So I feel like it's a risk for people to take to bet on him at 250. Yeah, it's going to be a, you know, Caroli, a big investment, 600,000. I think Anstey will be... To sell 400,000, that's a risky move I as think well. Anstey will be on my team, though, at 250. I think Anstey's going to be on a lot of people's teams. Uh, I mean, Fevre might be... Well, that was going to be my big one. Yeah, I mean... 300 grand, Fevre. Yeah. Who knows? He's been right, well... By the time Portugal's come around, he would have been riding for a little less than three weeks. Yeah. I just wonder how Strybos is going to fare. 150,000. And he, we, we know that he was doing very well in America at preseason. Yeah, but he's still a fair way off of being. I know. 150 is not a bad. Jazakonis is 
350. That's a bit of a... Re- I don't... My strategy is I will never go anyone... Tonus, 250. That's a good shout. My, my strategy is I will never go for anyone who costs more than 350,000 and I'm reluctant to do someone at 350. So that's kind of what I look for. And then I... Because some people go for a really expensive rider than a cheap rider. I try and get like four riders who are all 300, 300, 300, 300. Yeah, Something I, I like, like. I got to be honest. Looking at this, I'm. I'll probably go with um, Tonus and Patrell. I think it's hardback, isn't it, Aguero? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay, not not France, but it's not sad. Um, Petrov, hundred grand, a bit of a risk. Yeah, no. Nah. I think Fevre will be on my team. Yeah, depending on because I don't see for, at three hundred grand, the return that you need at that price is like two ninths, and I think you'll be able to do that. Tommy could be on my team. Max could be on my team. Leok is 100 grand again. He could be on my team. And just for clarification, the manufacturers and the teams, have those prices changed? No. So they stayed the same? Yeah. I can change them now if I want, but being, aside from like injuries... I have the power. Injuries are the only thing that would really change that because obviously it's a bigger picture. But that's also a strategy what we can talk about because, um, not talk about at length, but at the same time, with these riders where the prices have changed and you might have been outpriced in what you previously would have gone with because they're in form, then you could look to be switching to a manufacturer or a team where you can pick up some good, yeah. good points. Yeah, although I don't really believe in the manufacturers and teams. I always have them because I think it's a nice little extra, but I don't know. I don't, I don't put all of my eggs in that basket. No. I focus on the riders more. Yeah. Van Horbeek at 300 is a bit risky. It wouldn't have been before Trentino, but yeah, I wouldn't go there now. Okay. Well, actually, it's actually quite. A tr- it's I, actually, I tell you what, who, who does pick up points is Leok. That's exactly what I just. Hundred thousand. Well, should we cover that then? Because I'm getting a lot of grief over Leok. All right. What's so? What's been said about Leok? I'm I'm unaware of this. I told everyone to pick Leok on MX Manager at Mantova. Oh. Some people took my advice, and he DNF the second race. <laughs> he was fifth in the qualifying race. <laughs> you were all you were all going to pick him with or without me. Yeah, you just led them right down a garden path. I also had him on my team, so it's not like I didn't pick him myself. But yeah. Okay. Well, Brian Lykov would have been a good pick for last week because uh, he was only 100,000. Yeah, but he's obviously gone up now. He's gone up now, yeah. But Leok, I, I, Leok, Brian Lykov and Strybos were all in that same 100,000 group at Mantova. Yeah. And I just felt like Leok was the one you could rely on. Apparently okay. not. So should we move on to MXT? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to say is probably, I think you're going to probably pick Walsh at 250. Yep. I think I will. Yeah. There's a lot more people saying it's staying the same price in MX2. Yeah, I can see that you've put Watson down. Yeah, Watson's uh, a little bit cheaper. How much is he now? Uh, three fifty still. Yeah, well, still, still a lot of money. Yeah, but well, Watson, I tell you what, there's no, a... that's actually I remember when I changed Watson's price to that, he will be on my team and he will be the most picked rider, no doubt about it. Watson in Portugal is good, even dating back to the Hitachi days. Yeah, he was very good in Portugal, and last year was the first time where it was like. Wow, Watson is the fastest rider here. Okay, one. Uh, Everyone should pick Ben Watson. I wasn't there the weekend, obviously, and I haven't been keeping up with things. And there might be other people out there similar to myself. But what's the story on Usland? Most, most people probably um, don't do podcasts. <laughs> what's the story on Usland? <laughs> I don't. I haven't looked into that one. I'm afraid. Is there anything you have? As a one-man just... team, I can't look into every single rider by Wednesday morning. Wow. I'm still in my work week. I'm still working through some messages, wow. etc. It's a good job our bosses aren't listening to this, hey? 
Hold up. I've actually got something I'll do some for you. Oh, well done. What have you done? Just Googled it? No. Hold fire for a second, please. Brilliant. Yeah. I wish I never asked this question. No, I've lost it. I did have something on my laptop, but I've lost it. I'm tired. Right, Chervelin. 300,000. No, not a chance. Not a chance. Renault, 200,000. Not a chance. Not a chance. Konyan, 50,000. Not a chance. Um, Zach Pichon, 150,000. Didn't race the second race at... Um, didn't race either race, sorry, at Mantua because he damaged his f- ankle, was it, or hand? I don't know. Maybe we should ask a website what, doesn't it? Maybe we should ask their PR person. King out. Right, should we just maybe pick the ones that we do know? Because oh, sorry, otherwise we're going to still be here and, tomorrow. Uh, Pichon hurt his foot, sorry, in um, qualifying and didn't race. But if he's back, 150 could be tempting. Right. But then it, with him, it's just all about putting two motors together. Harrison, Harrison's back to 100,000. i tell you what, I'll take Sinai at 150. See, that's, I feel like these prices, this is where changing the prices is the best thing that could have ever happened because suddenly there's all these things to yeah. talk about. And, um, you know, a crazy one, but Pessoa at 50, 50K. Hard he could be a Brazilian. decent person could, yeah. to pick up some stuff. Yeah. Uh, Harrison, 100K. Yeah, Portugal a, could be a good place for it. That's worth a shout. But the great thing is what we should mention is that you can hold out until uh, first thing Sunday morning. So you can see how all these guys Actually, are you can hold out until midday Sunday. Oh, okay. Even better. So, um, gate drops the gate drops on MX2 Moto One, and at that point, picks close. Yeah. So, but remember, there's actually like outside factors that could happen. So, you might leave it to the last minute. There could be a server issue. Who knows? Anything can happen. So, you have to bear in mind that if you do leave this stuff until the last minute, you know, shit happens sometimes. So, um, you're taking a chance by leaving it to the last minute, but at the same time. uh... Would, it's a safe thing to do by, say, 9, 10 in the morning. I would recommend going in and setting a team at the beginning of the weekend just to make sure you've got something there. Yeah, agreed. And then if you're busy or whatever. So. Then tweak. Yeah. Yeah. But um, beaten at 300 grand. Yeah. He well, was on the podium here last year. And he yeah. could have been on the podium. He would have been on the podium, sorry, at um, Mantua. So that's a very good shout. Yeah. Probably not going to choose Prado at 600,000. What's no, the return I, on Prado? I, 50 points? Mm, plus the fastest lap, plus two whole shots, 65 is like your max. Okay. It's not bad. That's no, near I, I'm not. I'm that's, not. That's, I probably should have gone with that because I got 70 points with um, no. the team last week. I'm not. You got 70 points. Yeah. yeah I, 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 don't, I don't know why you're laughing. It's not funny. <laughs> um, I had Monticelli, Sterry, and um, Pucces, I think. Oh. Okay. On paper, that's a solid team. Okay. Uh, yeah, everyone's got to pick Watson. That's my pick of the week. Okay. 350 is... He will never be that cheap again. Trust me. Wow. He's back on the bandwagon, everybody. Yeah, that's pretty much it for MX Manager. Right, cool. Well, um, let's wrap it up because um, that's it. I'm done. I'm done as well. <laughs> yeah. And great. Thank- if you've even made it this far, then you need a fucking medal or something. And uh, we're going to be going to Portugal. Um, Shocker. Yep. We'll be there. We're going to get all the news. We're going to bring back the Saturday podcast uh, show, I believe. Yep. And um, we'll see you guys then. Yep. And although we had a five-week break because of the GPs, that won't happen again, obviously, from now, every single week, pretty much. Yeah. We'll be bringing it to you. And whether it's Lewis next week or El Diablo, we do not know, but we'll see if he turns up with a poncho. Uh, I wish I knew how to say bye in uh, Mexican or Spanish or whatever it is. Okay, this is taking too long. (laughs) (laughs) Right, can we just please call it a day so I can get some food? Adios. Adios. Adios, everybody. <laughs> Fuck. BMX, BMX Fight Show. 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 
everything in the world of motocross, head to mxvice.com, at Motocross Vice on Twitter, and search MX Vice on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. All content is now available in Spanish and Italian. The MX Vice Show. show, 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 show.